0: testimony tonight you're going to hear me talking about a lot of things that happened to me but make no mistake this is all about God okay. this is what God did for a man um, all of my adult life all, all of my life um, uh, you know I made mistakes Matthew 18:11 11 says um, for the son of man has come to save that which is lost well I was lost now I'm found. Uh, so let me tell you something. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for each one of us, right? Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Um, most of my life, I dabbled in drugs, did the wrong stuff. I'd, I'd stop and go back and stop and go back and stop. Um, that was my lifestyle. That's what I did. Um, this was from. This was from the time I was 16 or 17 years old uh, until, well, it was probably around, uh, 2005, I got into a car accident, little, little fender bender thing, wasn't anything, but I had drugs in the car, I had weed in the car, and, uh, I, you know, we, the cops showed up, and I didn't get in trouble, and there was, they didn't find it and all that, but, uh, so I called my wife at the time, Dean, I, I called her and said, uh, you know, I had the accident, and the first thing she said was, "Was there drugs in the car?" Yeah, but I played it cool. They didn't know. And she said, "No, no, I've been praying for you." And I said, "You know, I said okay." She said, "We've got to do something about this. We got to do something. We have got to go to church, and if this is going to work." So I said, "Okay." Uh, I had a plan. I was going to go to church reluctantly, show up. You know. Show up and get her off of my back's what I was really thinking, uh, and so uh, so we came to church. But guess what? God had a plan. Uh, so uh, you know, Proverbs sixteen nine in the Amplified says, uh, "A man's mind plans his ways, as his journey through as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps." and establishes them, so for me, that stands out, I I feel like, you know, I had plans, I was going to do things my way, in this particular instance, I was going to show up to church, make an appearance, prove to her it was all hokum and hooey, right, and uh, go on about my business and do the things I wanted to do, didn't work out that way, Uh, see, I thought thought I'd already figured out everything that, that I needed to know about preachers, They wanted your money. That was it. I knew it. I was certain of it. And uh, so we walk into the church at Jackson Street, and guess what the message is (laughs) that night? Tithing. (laughs) I said, yep, I told you. They just want your money. But listen, after a short time, I don't know that it was immediately after, but in in a short period of time, we were tithing. So the message hit, and things began to change for me and for my family. See, God knew that I needed a supernatural experience, an intervention, uh, deliverance to change, to change things for me. Um, so through the prayers of a desperate wife, right, uh, he brought me to the exact right place at the exact right time uh, because God has a plan. Um, he knew that I needed to experience the power of his might, right? Uh, to know that it wasn't about something that I could do or all that I could do or um, just sitting in a pew, you know? It, it needed to be more than that for me, and he knew that. And, and so um, what happened was, in, in that moment, uh, it's just the revealed mercy of God to put me right where I needed to be in the moment that I needed to be there to change because for my entire adult life, I was using drugs. That's the life I had. Um, so so I got saved uh, shortly. I don't, I don't know, two or three, probably two or three services, and, and I, was, I was hooked. Um, delivered, supernaturally delivered. No withdrawals. No cravings. Listen, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced addiction, but whenever you don't have that thing that you want, your body freaks out on you. You curl up, I spent a lot of nights curled up in a little ball in the fetal position on on the floor thinking, you know, what am I going to do? Well, what I did was go back to the drugs then. But, um, so, uh, you know, delivered. Delivered from everything except one particular drug. And so, um, I called pastor and, and Talked to him and he said, "Let's let's meet." I told him I was still struggling with him. He said, uh, "Let's meet and and we'll talk about it." So, uh, <laughs> he uh, I was telling him, you know, I was delivered from all this other stuff, but not from the one thing. And and he explained to me that there's different. I don't know if it's uh, the word types is right, but different ways that God will deliver you, right? He said, uh, "There's an experience where." the thing that you're dealing with is taken away, which is what I, I had. Uh, and then there's some where uh, you're taken out of that situation. And then he said, uh, and then there's the deliverance where God helps you walk through that thing. And that last drug that I was doing was that. And, and we were in, in Pizza Hut on the south side. And he, be, he began to uh, teach me about uh, confessing scriptures like 1 John 4, 4, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And from that moment on, delivered. Completely holy, delivered. God grant, he granted me uh, right con- connections uh, with the church. Um, a church I could, I could call home with, you know, the people I could call family, Right? He planted me. Psalm 1 uh, 3 says, uh, and he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yield its fruit in, it, in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. And I was fed. There's no doubt. So uh, that, that scripture rings true with me. It, it does. And you know, connected me with a spiritual father and, and pastor uh and by that connection i learned so many things i was learning things so fast i remember uh uh i remember that i heard uh, the lesson the first time we heard the lesson on the the uh believer's authority and uh i don't know if it was that very first night but he might have done a couple se- uh sessions of it but uh when, when he was talking about Mark 16:17, where he talks about the signs, casting out devils. And, uh, I was blown away. You know, we have, a, what, we can do this? And so I went home with the family in tow, you know. I went home and right whenever I kick open the door and I walk into the living room and I said, I command all of you unclean spirits to get out of my house in the name of Jesus. There was a peace and a calm in my house that I had never experienced before. This is something that I'm not going to get, just going to any random church. Go, go where the Lord leads you, right? And if he hadn't led you yet, people in live stream, if he hasn't led you yet, <laughs> pray about it because you belong somewhere. Yeah. You can be fed. Yeah. Um, those lessons that, that, that he, he taught, I just wouldn't have got them anywhere else, so... Um, God was doing big things. He revealed His call to uh, my call to uh, to me in that same uh, around that same time. Pastor again was teaching on what God wants us to do, what we're called to do, uh, following God's plan. And uh, I kind of went to him after the after the last session. I said, Pastor, I don't really know exactly what it is that God wants me to do. And he said, Do you have any? Just even an inkling of what, I said, well, I think I'm called to pastor. I mean, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, me, this guy, pastor. I got to be hearing something wrong, you know? Uh, and he said, uh, I'm glad you figured it out. I've known it for a little while now. <laughs> so, glory to God. Called, called, called to be a pastor, Paul Floyd. Tell me that's not God. Um, <laughs> he promoted me at work. Um, the job that I was doing um, was going away. And so they took me from the plant, trained me, and put me into the office. So I went from hard work in a hot place to cool work at a desk in a cool place. Um, and all of this stuff, you know, we were tithing, giving. Our finances were straight. Uh This, I mean, you understand I'm talking about favor, right? I mean, God was doing things for me. Um, These were the manifest blessings of God. Hallelujah. Um, It seems that every time I opened the Bible, I could find what I needed to find, understood what it was that I was reading, what I needed at the moment. God was just doing things for me. All of this stuff he was doing for me in my life. But, and live stream people, pay attention. Somebody out there needs to hear this. I'm just saying. I know for a fact that somebody needs to hear this. Listen, even though God was blessing me and my family, doing all this amazing stuff, all this stuff that I just told you about, and I'm sure there's things that, that, that I hadn't left out, but you know, I got caught up in my own plans, my own problems, bogged down with uh, circumstances and situations of life, you know, and I forgot about those blessings, and uh, I threw in the towel, I gave up, I gave up on God, Uh, it wasn't anything God had done, wasn't anything the church had done, I just got tired of fighting the fight, I just forgot about what it was that he had done for me, I just, I quit, Uh, you know, not everybody in the family was hooked on with the plan for ministry for the family, so Uh, There was internal stuff that I was dealing with. And uh, I let the weight of the days get to me, I guess. Um, I remember when I gave up. um, See, the, the devil was having a hard time, really, getting to me, through me. Because I was sitting under the right teacher, in the right church, learning the right stuff. I had closed all the doors. So he attacked me through the avenue of my children. Uh, I had a child that was was in trouble a lot and I got a call one time sitting at the desk that God had put me at and, uh, you know, the story was she got whatever it was that she had done to get in trouble and I just said, uh, I literally said, that's it, I quit talking to God. I quit, I'm done, I'm tired of fighting. I quit with God and with the church. I quit on everything and everyone in the church too. I just quit. I went off the grid. I went off the church grid anyway. Um, well, shortly after that, uh, I had an issue with the shoulder, and uh, after running through all the options, they decided to give me painkillers. Painkillers to the dude that was delivered from drugs back in. Uh, and uh, I, I think maybe that I really understood what was happening looking back at it, that there was a potential there, but I. I I was gone far enough that, you know, that was probably 2008 or nine. It was shortly, the last time that I was at church, we were doing, we were at Concord. I don't remember what year that was. 2008-ish, something like that, maybe. Um, But uh, from then on, after I I started taking the the painkillers, I had a steady decline. The medication that I was, uh, Prescribed was taken off the market, and I was instantly bumped up to a heavier narcotic, without question. Devil working on his side to get me where he wanted me to be. Um, it was, uh, and it was a decline. It wasn't, you know, the devil's not going to just slam you with everything all at once because you're going to go running and screaming back to God, right? And but in that process. Uh, It was kind of like, I've heard the stories of bull and frogs. Have you heard that? That if you turn up the heat slowly, they'll just, they accept it, right? So that's kind of what I was doing. I just, each new thing would happen, whatever it was, and I would accept it. i just keep on going down that that path. Uh, Over the years, I went back full on and back into, deeper into the lifestyle that I had, drugs, and with the drugs came the lies, and with the lies came all of the other deception, the, the depravity that exists, you know, depravity is defined by Strong's as, uh, as badness, uh, malignity, trouble, evil, malice, wickedness. There's a, there's a, a translation, uh, a rendering of the word wickedness in, I think it was in the Amplified that I was reading it, but it's, it called it godlessness. That's where I was. I was without God. There's no doubt in my mind that had I died in those moments, whenever I was that far gone, when I'd given up on God and was doing all the wrong stuff that you could imagine, whatever you're thinking that I might've done, you're right. I probably did it. Um, there's, I, I was lost. I was fallen. I was away. I wasn't going to heaven is what I'm telling you. There wasn't any way I was going to make it. Not with the way I was treating God and, and the things of God and myself and people and uh, you know, I, uh, I just ran with, with that bad stuff. I did it. The drugs got more intense. Um, the lies became more frequent. With the lies, more isolation. I started isolating myself even more. Took, I took huge amounts of money out of an account that my wife had. Let, let me make this even worse for you that her mother had given her after her death. I took that money so I could get drugs. How dark and ugly is that, right? So I did all of these things. Um, I'm reminded, you know, all of this stuff happened, I'm reminded of the passage in Matthew where it talks about the the, uh, unclean spirit when it leaves, it comes back with seven more that are worse. I was definitely in a worse spot than I had been whenever I was first delivered. Um, I remember this. A few months before I got caught, I realized that drugs were going to kill me, and I was all right with that. Didn't want to die, but knew I would, and I knew it'd be drugs. And if I had to go, at least I'd go out high. That was it. That was was my be-all and end-all. I'm losing my family, my wife, my you know, all of it's going away, and I was still thinking drugs. Um, so, uh, you know, Dina and I had already agreed that the marriage was over. Uh, and then I got arrested. I thought, well, that's it. I'm I'm losing the, my my wife, my family. I'm losing my house, and now I'm going to lose my job, and. At best, if I'm not just stuck in jail, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have to take some kind of menial job that you know, and work in, in that whatever that is forever, because who's gonna hire a felon, right? Um, but God had a plan. Uh, I thank God for His love and His mercy. This story, my my testimony. If you take nothing else from it, is about mercy. It's about the mercy of God. When I had thrown it off, when I said, Lord, I know that you've called me to do this. I know that I've seen miracles wrought in your name. I went to uh, Clarksville with with Brother Russell and Pastor to see Dr. Dufresne, and I watched people's hearing be restored. I, I saw it. I was like this close to it. One of the first times I'd ever seen a miracle. I was, whoa. All of this stuff I had seen, but I walked away from it because I got tied up. The devil redirected me, right? So anyway, I, you know, I'm at this place where I think it's all over, right? No, no wife. Cops got me cuffed. Spend the rest of my however long it's going to be in jail, right? Uh, but God had a plan. Lamentation says that uh, it's uh, three twenty-two and twenty-three says. Um, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Glory to God. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. His mercies, mercies. So, I mean, me, look at what I did. I was like, look what I did. And then I think about it nearly every day, folks. I, I know the things that I did. I know the things that I had in God that I walked away from, the things that I ended up in, in my flesh, and now where God's got me now. And I look back at that, and it's a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm standing up here right now speaking because, by all rights and purposes, I should be dead a minimum of 100 times. I'm sure, probably more. Uh, so even, here's, here's the mercy of God. Even before I got right with God and got back into church, he was doing stuff for me because he's got a plan, right? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 in NIV says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. His plan my hope and in future included this listen to this I told you already the countless times he kept me alive I can't tell you how many times he saved me when I was nodding off behind the wheel of a car because I was too high or not high enough <laughs> because those that have been in addiction understand that if you don't have enough of whatever it is you're doing your body quits functioning. You, you, you turn off it, it just happens that way um The many times that I had taken way too much of whatever drug, my, my drug of choice was more. That's my drug of choice back in the day. It didn't matter what it was. I just wanted more of it. Um, so, you know, I took tons, not bragging. I'm just telling you how great God is. This is about how good God is. It's ain't about how tough I am, that I was tolerant to some kind of drug or something. Um, this is about how merciful my Lord and Savior is. Uh, so, countless times He kept me alive. All the extra drugs I took when I, I mean, I, I think I might have hit a limit. There might have been a time when I was actually as high as I could get, but I'd go ahead and take some. Uh, you know, just in case. Uh, then He supernaturally delivered me again. No withdrawals. No cravings. You might ask, uh, how do you know that God did that? Well, listen, there were a number of times that I said, I'm going to stop. I got to stop this. Minute, minute, my body was racked with pain. I was shutting down. My my brain's foggy. Uh, my body wouldn't work. I'd go out to mow a yard whenever I didn't have enough of my drug, and I could mow a couple swaps, sweating like a I don't know what, and I had to go back in, and I'd lay down on the couch. I was just that wiped out. Uh, so quitting on my own never worked. When I tried to quit, uh, withdrawal, cravings, depression, all of the things that you hear that are associated with drug addiction, drug use, I had it all. But then God delivered me, and I didn't get touched by that stuff. Not once. So twice, he, he did the same thing for me twice. Way back when, he delivered me from the drugs. And then again, he delivered me from the drugs. Mercy, folks, that's mercy. Um, he, uh, he just pulled, he just took it away from me. I mean, never once did I say, man, I wish I had a, just gone, <laughs> glory yeah. to God. Uh, and when I got back on the path, uh, I mean, it's amazing. But anyway, let me let me get you to that point. Uh, so I'm still not. I've still not gone back to church yet. Now understand. I've, I've been. Uh, I've, I'm in jail. I've uh, I've done as many drugs as I can, and he's kept me alive. Um, so then I, I managed to get. Uh, the drug court program. This is God working again—a uh, two-year program through McCracken County that that totally eliminates that charge. It's like it never happened. It doesn't. It's not an, an expungement. They just take that file and they throw it in the trash. That's God's mercy. I mean, wow. Just even standing here talking about it, I might take off run. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, even though my marriage was over, he still used my ex-wife to do things for me. She, uh, she paid my bail. She agreed to pay my attorney fees. I told her, if you'll pay me back. She said, sure, I'll, I'll pay you back. She agreed to do that. Uh, so uh, a little over a year after I've started the program, I'm sitting on my little couch in my apartment doing an inventory of my life. Counting off all my fingers, okay, I'm going to meetings, showing up at court. I'm not, I've been able to keep my job, dedicated to getting my life straight, doing everything they're expecting me to do. But I realized something was missing. So I said, "Okay, what am I missing?" And I heard God speak up inside me. He said, "You know exactly what is missing." And so I said. Okay, Lord, I'll go to church. <laughs> and so that next Wednesday, I came here. Uh, <laughs> now, the devil was in my ear that whole time. I, when I was Wednesday, when I I pulled out of out of my little the parking lot, my, my drive, and uh, and I turned to come this way. And every side street, every driveway, every parking lot I passed was. He'd say, uh, you can turn around here. You probably need to turn around here. Hey, turn here. You know these guys ain't gonna remember you. They aren't, if they remember you, they're gonna look down their noses at you. You're, they, you're, you don't need to go do this. So it was, that was all the way up until I pulled around and got into the parking lot. Even in the parking lot, it's not too late. Yeah. You, can, you know how they're gonna be. But God had a plan. So I walked through the doors out here, and I was met with 1 Corinthians 13 love when I came through the door, glory to God. I walked through the door, uh, and everybody came up and started hugging me. Uh, The animosity that old Scratch had told me was going to be there, it didn't exist. Just proof that the devil is alive. And now, in my experience, in my testimony, I can honestly look at anybody listening and say, I'm telling you. The devil's a liar. Oh, yeah. I'm ex- I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've had it. I've, it's in the word, and I've experienced it. I mean, that's too great. What's, what's uh, the Revelation Um, 11? Is that what it is? That's it. Yep. Um, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, word yeah. of testimony. As she said it. I just have a mic. Um, yeah, so I mean, that, that's it. I mean, that, I, can, I can honestly look at anyone now and say I've experienced it, right? Um. Everybody, I mean, everybody hugged me. Hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. And Pastor, man, who, who I know that I truly let down. I, I know I did. I know. I know I broke his heart back in the day. He met me with open arms, man. I mean, praise the Lord. The look on his face whenever whenever I came through the door when he looked at me, I will never forget. Full on, pure, genuine love and. You know, I, I'll carry that with me forever. Um, see, whenever I stopped doing the stuff that it talks about in Galatians 5, uh, all of the bad stuff it says at the early part of the, like verse 19, 20, I think, um, then I was able to experience the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and so, since I've been restored to the kingdom, I have peace. Psalm 29, 11 says the Lord will give strength unto his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. I've got joy, which I walk in every day. People say, uh, how's your day been? Blessed. How are you, Paul? Blessed and highly favored. What's going on? Anything bad will happen at work? No, I am blessed. I had a buddy of mine say, you always say you're blessed. I said, it's because I am. I am blessed. Glory to God. That's joy, joy, I have joy. Uh, notice that uh, in Nehemiah eight nineteen it says, uh, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Both of those, two of the fruits of the Spirit, peace and joy, have strength in them. You can gain strength by walking in peace and enjoy. Glory to God. Um, I got a raise at work. No solicitation. Yeah. Didn't hint at anybody. Yeah. No nothing. My boss just said, hey, when you get out of the program, blessed. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, that significant debt that I was telling you about, Dina, gave me? Forgiven. That had to be God, right? I mean, she's good people, but that, I mean, that's a chunk of money. Uh, that, that had to be God. Uh, and even after all of the wrong things that I'd done, uh, she gave me a portion of the profit of the sale of the house. Didn't, I told you, I stole money from her dead mother, Right? God moved on her heart to do something good for me. And I believe it's because I was doing what God told me to do. Um, One of those things, come to church. Not just show up, come on and participate. How about that? Show up and be the church. That's, you know, you'll see me up here sometimes and I'm full on into the worship music. I am touched by God nearly every time we have praise and worship partly because we've got a great praise and worship team right but uh the other part is because I'm 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 reaching I'm looking for God in these moments uh so that's part of it I'm you know giving uh, give and it shall be given right uh, I'm I'm giving I'm tithing so you know getting into the the uh the things that God's told me to do has opened up doors for Right. and uh, taking care of things that you know that particular debt would have taken me a long time to pay off and she said eh don't worry about it and by the way here gave me nearly the same amount of money that I was indebted to her for that's God favor, blessing uh, what am I saying here what's my point right my point is that God loves us he wants us to be part of his family uh He wants people to be restored to the kingdom. Anybody out there that may have thought that they've gone too far? Listen, I've gone pretty far. And I'm standing right here right now telling you that I am restored. I am a child of God. I have been delivered. Everything, every promise that God's ever made is mine. And if he can do it for me because he's no respecter of persons, you guys can show up too. We'll be expecting you. Um in closing, I would say uh well let me read second Corinthians 18-19 out of the Amplified. It, it says, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit, the old things, previous. Moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Thank you, Lord. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to him through Christ, making us acceptable to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example, we might bring others to him. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. (laughs) Glory! All of my sins have been canceled in the name of Jesus. Woo! Uh, uh, He has committed us to the message of reconciliation, that is restoration to favor with God. Here's, Here's what I would say. To anyone listening that thought maybe they'd gone too far, that they'd missed it, or maybe they missed it just a little bit, but they're hesitant because they don't want to experience the, you know, the coming back process. <laughs> Why? Come to God. Be reconciled to God. That's what I, would that's my message. I could have said that at the very beginning, I guess, and saved you guys all kind of time, but, um. That's my point. Be reconciled. Don't let the things, don't don't let the things of the past, the sins, the thoughts, the whatever of the past, uh, direct your steps today. Don't let the past, you know, there's a lot of clever ways I can say it. Don't let the, the actions of the past create your future. God's put all of those things away from you if you'll just get reconciled with him. If you'll trust him, if you'll if you'll learn what he has to say about what it is that we should do, if you'll honor him, uh, you can be reconciled. You can be reconciled. Glory to God. That's my message for the day. Amen. Glory
1: to God. God, appreciate your help in that. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. We thank God for the wonderful privilege of being able to gather uh, together today. Uh, to experience both the Word and the move of the Spirit. God, we thank you for the great privilege of getting to study the Word of God together. God, it's the Word that changes our lives. It's the Word that our lives are to be built upon. It's the Word uh, that can withstand the wind, the rain, the beatings of the storms of life that we are all going to experience in life down here. And so, Father God, I just pray that you would give to each person taking part in the service today and those watching by live stream, that, Father God, that they would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. May the eyes of their understanding be flooded with light, that they might know, Father God, what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of thine inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe, God, give me utterance today. I stand here today helpless without your anointing and without your grace. But I thank you I'm not without that anointing. I'm not without your grace. And so I just make a demand on that supernatural gift that Jesus gave to me, that gift of a pastor. God, let it be operational today uh, in the fullest measure that the people could say that they were pastored today. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. If you were here last week, you would know I preached a message on faith. I want to sort of follow up with that. I don't know that we're on a series. Uh, We'll see. But I had more in my heart that I didn't get out that I want to get out to us uh, about uh, living by faith and walking by faith. Amen. In uh, 1 John chapter number 5, I have my amplified translation of this ready, so that's what I'll read from. And uh, So locate that verse. Actually, it's 1 John 5.4. Uh, praise God. Let me turn and I'll get caught up with where I want to be in my notes here. Notice the Apostle John says, "...for whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith." Hallelujah. Now it's very interesting. Most people, I did this for many years. I read 1 John 5, 4, and this is the way I read it. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And you know that's true. Romans chapter 8 calls us an overcomer if we're children of God, born of God. But is that what this says? It doesn't say whoever is born of God. It says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Hallelujah. Amen. So we want our lives to be filled with things that were authored by God. Amen. Because if you authored whatever you're pursuing, there's no promise that your plan, that what you author, that what you begin, come on, you could say it this way, we have no promise that what we author uh, that, what we pursue that God's not in, we have no promise that that will last, that it will uh, overcome the forces of opposition that come against our lives. Amen. Psalm 127, you don't have to turn there. Verse number one says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. Uh, because it's not going to stand the tests of time and the oppositions of the enemy. Praise God. And uh, so I want, the, I want as much of my life, the goal would be all of my life, everything I put my hand to, all that I would, um, you know, be active in would be of faith and be authored by God. You want to know why that uh, this, this ministry uh, is still here? You know, I don't know how many ministries I've seen. It'd be interesting to, to sit down and calculate that. I've been here since November of 2001, pastoring here in Paducah. And uh, the number of ministries and churches that have popped up and exploded with growth and they're not even having services today. For whatever reason, they were overcome. Right? We just have to say we're not picking on anybody, but they started something they're not here. Amen? And through all the ups and the downs and the ins and the outs and all of the you know, ebbs and flows of what happens in a community, and we're still a young church, relatively speaking. You know, praise God, we were incorporated in 1986. Uh, but, uh, amen, the reason that we're here is because we're authored of God. Whatever is born of God. You know, all the things that we've faced uh, in developing this campus, building this campus in those really early pioneering type years... Faced impossible situations. I mean, totally, utterly impossible situations. How did we overcome it? Well, God over, you know, faith overcame it. Because this project was authored by God. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. You know, the plan of God for your family, right? Not your plan. But the plan of God that He has authored for your family, that's what you want. You may think you want your plan, but you don't. Because your plan will be overcome. But God's plan for your family, God's plan for your life cannot be overcome. Because it was born of Him. It was authored of Him. It sprang forth from the Creator and what is born of Him cannot be defeated, cannot be overcome. Amen? Let go of all that you want and embrace all that He has. You'll be more fulfilled. And your your life won't reflect the defeat and the heartache and the frustration and the disappointment that so many Christians' lives reflect. I I know more Christians that are frustrated going backwards, being overcome, living in defeat, not enjoying victory. And they're children of God. They love Jesus with all their heart. But they have yet to get a revelation of living in the will of God for their lives, making whatever changes that would be required to get in the flow, get on the path of God's will, and stay there, and then learn how to really, I'm not talking about lip service, but really live by faith. Amen. Amen. You know, faith, uh, faith is the most important thing I can think of to your life. Amen. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what you give God in exchange for what you won't need from Him. And uh, to be blunt with everyone, because, you know, I just, I appreciate this about me, if I could say that. That I wanted, I told the Bible students in California listen, you're just gonna have to forgive me. If you're new to me, get to know me. I'm just kind of, there it is, right? Just kind of blunt and plain spoken. But there's a reason for that, right? And that is, I don't want anyone, no matter how new, to misunderstand the truth I'm endeavoring to communicate. I'm a little bit like my spiritual father, Dr. Michael Jacobs, in the sense that if you don't get me, then that's on you because there's nothing complicated about me. Amen? And uh, so I'm about to make one of those statements, and, and that is, it doesn't matter how much you love God and how much He loves you. If you don't get in faith and stay in faith about whatever that is, your answer's not coming. There's no victory coming. Right? So if you don't get in faith... For healing, there's no healing coming, except what the doctors could bring you, and what natural medical science could bring you. Well, God loves me. I know He no, He loves you, but love doesn't have anything to do with you believing Him. That's on you and having faith in Him. You know, some people really think I, I've I've gotten in that mode before. God is going to fix this, just for the sheer fact that. I am desperate. I mean, I'm just desperate. I gotta... Right? You know, God doesn't move and bring victory into people's lives because of desperation. If that were the case, if that were true, guess what? Everyone who got desperate would get their answer. That there would come this critical mass where God goes... Oh, let's help him, And thank God for the times He intervenes in spite of us. You know, not because of us, but in spite of us. And He is merciful and He will do things. But we just must understand faith is our part. Faith is our part in this equation. And if we don't bring faith for our bodies and for healing, you're going to go to, you're going to, go to heaven early. And in, I don't want to go... I, I'm going to heaven, you understand that? But I don't want to go to heaven... Through the door of a debilitating disease. If you study your Bible carefully, you'll find it. you don't have to. Hallelujah. Amen. But it takes living close to God. It takes keeping a real tight, you know, rein on your tongue. He that would love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and let his keep his lips from speaking any guile. Right? See, our mouths get our lives in trouble a lot of times. Yeah. Preaching good already. Amen. But listen, will, will your loving heavenly father watch the sheriff come and foreclose on your home? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't he love me? He'll love you all the way through it. Cry with you. Put his loving Presence of His uh, holy arm around you and comfort you. Well, how come that happened? Well, it's not on His side. He never fails. We stumbled in our faith. Amen? Well, listen, not, that's not to condemn or beat up anybody. We've all had uh, mishaps and things happen where, for whatever reason, it didn't come out the way we wanted it to come out. Just the thing is, be humble, be honest. You know, if there's failure... God would not into failure. God's not killing babies. He's not afflicting grandmas with cancer. He's not blowing people's barns down. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. So the thing is, we, we should center up and all get PhD level good on the subject of faith. Because if we don't bring Him our faith, He doesn't have anything to work with. Go over in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Hallelujah. Which is why in our church, in our ministry, you're going to hear so much about faith. You can't get saved without faith. You can't be filled with the Spirit, speak with other tongues without faith. You can't be healed without faith. Come on, you're not going to walk in divine protection without faith. The angels are not going to be able to get involved with you in in your life to protect you and to work for you and help you if you don't have faith. Amen. Amen. Your bills won't go paid if you don't have faith. They'll go unpaid if you don't bring faith. How about just bringing faith so that we can have a sound mind? That's huge. And walk in peace and have a little bit of joy. How about have a lot of joy? (laughs) Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So here this verse tells us that there is something that God uses to give substance to the thing that you want and desire. What is it? Faith gives substance to the thing that you hope for. Amen? So if your hope is to be divinely protected as you drive, you go in, you go out, you go places. Amen? Well then the substance of that is going to be you believe in Him for that and you standing on specific promises in His Word for that and that you hold to it faithfully. Amen? And the same is true for every Bible promise and benefit out there. God needs the spiritual force of faith that comes from you to mold and shape, to give substance and to bring into reality the thing that you want from Him. And if we don't bring that, then there's no no substance coming. Where there is no faith, there is no substance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Skip down to verse number six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Now, the word please there in the Greek, I wrote my Bible, I looked it up, it means to satisfy. To satisfy. So without faith, it is impossible to satisfy Him. Amen. Glory to God. It is impossible to satisfy Him, for he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So now where we were last week, we were talking about, I had said and made this statement, if you weren't here, I'll catch up a little bit, that uh, really... Understanding the spiritual force of faith, what faith is, is not hard. You know, the Holy Spirit helps us. He enlightens us. The Scriptures are very plain about it. Amen? Faith means believe. Faith means trust. Faith means to rely wholeheartedly on the word of another. It means to talk and act in line with the promise of someone who's got the ability to bring that thing to pass. Amen. And so that's what faith is. Understanding how to get faith. You only need to know one scripture to show you from the Bible, amen, how to get all the faith you'll, your life will ever need. And it's Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh. By hearing. and hearing. By, and notice faith does not come by crying. Faith doesn't come by whining. Faith doesn't come because you get desperate. Hello? Faith doesn't come by your praying for it. He didn't say faith comes when you ask Him for faith. Father, give me faith. Oh, Father, if I just had the faith. Father, give me Kenneth Copeland faith. Father, He's not hearing that. He can't act on that. There's no response coming except correction. Loving correction. Faith does not come by your praying for it. Faith simply comes by hearing. By hearing. Hearing what? Hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why you want to sit under a ministry. Have your family submitted to a ministry that preaches something more than self help and cotton candy messages you want to bring your family's ears to a place where they hear the word of god quoted on the biggest things that you face out there every day amen, amen. it's just a shocker to me if you were to put put 50 churches in our city in a jar, their names, and you pull them out randomly and, and judge them. Do they preach faith? Do they preach healing? Do they preach divine protection? Do they preach pride? Do they ever have a healing line? Do they ever lay hands upon the sick? Do they, do they ever minister on the authority of the believer? I wonder how many of those 50 would we'd have to go. You don't fit the bill. Amen. I'd bet it'd be a lot. Maybe you get one or two that does something. Faith comes by hearing. And you don't have to go to church to hear it. That's a great place. But how about your own mouth speaking so that you can hear? Huge. Huge. But anyway, I could run down that trail. I'm not going to. What faith is. Understand that. Not hard. Understanding how do I get faith to be healed? How do I get faith to be filled with the Spirit? Hear. That's it. Hear what God says about it. And faith will come. And if faith doesn't come, When you hear, then God lied. And let's shut the church down and go party. Because he lied about it. I'm not following, I'm not worshiping a liar. I'm not going to give all this money I give for a lie. If you'll hear the word of God, whatever that word is saying, faith for that will come when you hear it. Period. Okay? So now we know very simply what faith is how to get in faith then even the operation of faith how to release our faith that's not hard either Jesus took two, two little verses three little verses in mark 11 he said speak to the mountain he didn't say whine to god about your mountain he said speak to the mountain command it to be moved and believe in your heart That what you said to the mountain will be done. That it will come to pass. That God will climb up in your words and make what you said come to pass. You have to believe that that's happening. Right? And he says, the one who does that, he or she will have whatever they say. Then he put another little twist on it in the next verse. And whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it at the time you pray, and you'll have it. And then the only other thing he adds to that is make sure that you forgive in verse 25. That if you don't forgive, you're going to have if you're going to fuss and you're going to fight, you're going to be in strife. We're going to talk about that today in healing school, I believe. This afternoon, 4.30. Everybody can come if they want to. <laughs> Amen. Well, then that's going to short-circuit your... But that's it. That, you know everything you really need to know about faith. Okay, so let's get to it. What's well, hard then? Why aren't we all just giants in faith? Why don't we all come in every Sunday parading our faith victory around? My trophy I got. The the manifestation of the promises. Some Some of us are, but all of us could do better. Amen? Well, it's the staying in faith that's the challenge. You see, in prayer, when you release your faith... The battle is won or lost in the time between amen and there it is. What you and I do in that time between amen. You know what I mean by amen? In other words, you've released your faith. You've said your prayer. You spoke to the mountain. Amen. That's critical. See, now you've launched out in faith. You're in faith now. And in the realm of the Spirit, things are happening. But you don't evidently see it. When Jesus spoke to that fig tree, if you were to look at it right after He spoke, no different. No different in the natural. That tree just mocked Him. Right? No difference to the natural eye. But His words, He believed what He said to that tree would come to pass. And 24 hours later, He wasn't looking. But Peter pointed it out. And that tree had withered from the root. Notice, it started where you couldn't see. The effect of the words first started where where you couldn't see the effect of it. But eventually it showed up and it's withered and died. The effect of His words had come to pass. Amen. But there is often a space of time, and sometimes that time can be considerable. Right? Between, amen, and there it is. The there it is is the answer, the manifestation of it. What we do in this period, that's where where 98% of the battle is lost for most people, is in this standing time. Amen. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6. You know, the Bible talks about we being steadfast, immovable in our faith. The moment we take a stand on the word, you think the enemy, our adversary, is just going to let that go unopposed? I know you've lived for God long enough to know that that's not so. God's not the only one over in that spirit realm watching. We have an adversary. Amen? Amen. He sees you, big woman of faith and power pray a powerful, faith-filled prayer over your baby for healing. He goes, hmm, okay. And he's going to oppose you in some way. You release your faith for you need $500 to come in to meet your rent, and you need it in two weeks' time, and you fed on the Word, and faith came, and you released your faith and spoke to the mountain and commanded the money to come. Now what are you going to do for Two weeks. Right? Are you going to stay in faith? Or are you going to falter? Are you going to waver? Are you going to be moved off your stand? Amen. So this is where we need fortification. This is where we need encouragement. This is where so many of us, we need to be instructed strongly about what to do in the interim time when my eye doesn't see and it looks like it's going from bad to worse. It looks like my faith is working in the opposite direction. Amen. Of what to do. Well, Paul speaks about this in Ephesians 6, verse 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, what's he say? Be strong. If you don't get anything out of what I've taught, amen, those two words is what I'd like you thinking about when you leave here. Be strong. Faith requires that we be strong, not weak, not faint hearted. We have to be strong. Because listen, it's not fun to feel things. It's not fun to feel the the effect of the spirit of fear attacking your mind and working up your emotions. It's not fun to feel that. Right? But we have to feel that and not be moved. Feel that and not react to it the way it wants us to react. We can't, we've got to learn how to see things we don't want to see, hear things we don't want to hear, things that contradict what the word says that we're standing on, and be unmoved, unshaken by things we don't like seeing. Like when the doctor says, when the test result shows this, when the bank account screams, I empty. Right? Amen. So, what does he say? Be strong. Now, not strong in yourself. He didn't say anything about you being strong in yourself. A lot of believers miss it like that. They're like, they're trying to be strong in themselves. That's not going to work. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Come on, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Now, the Lord is the Word. Jesus is the Word. He's the Lord. He's the Word. So He's saying, be strong in the Word. And then He's saying, and the power of His might. That's the Holy Ghost. Be strong in the Spirit. These are the two ingredients He says uh, will put us in a place of standing in an immovable position, unmoved by whatever we see, feel, hear that contradicts until the answer shows up. And this is required. Amen. All of us will have our faith tested by the heat of pressure and circumstances. Now, he goes on and does a whole teaching. That's not what I want to get into about the armor of God, right? But vitally important. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? See, stand. Stand against the wiles. This word means the schemes or the strategies of the devil. Really, in the Greek, you really study that out. It means a road. The devil, he's got one road, he's got a path that he goes, and that's his strategy. It's really only one strategy, and that is to attack your mind. He doesn't have access to your spirit. Faith is of your spirit. But He's got to get you to cooperate with Him to move off your stand of the word if He's going to sabotage your faith. If He's going to be able to keep that promise from coming to pass. And the only inroad He has left is your mind. And so He is going to attack. He's going to come on the road of attack towards your mind. Like, what you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? You ever had that one come? You're not thinking that, but from the outside in, this unwelcome accusation and thought. He'll hold that thing that you're facing before you and go, what are you going to do? And notice, he wants you to do something. You see, in faith, it's not up to me to heal myself. I'm not the healer. It's not my job to pay my own bills. I have a part, work, don't eat, all that kind of stuff. But see, Dr. Dufresne, he taught me, Chris, you do the trusting. God does the doing. Stay out of His part. You can't do God's part. My job is real simple. Your job is real simple. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Believe Him. Hold to what He said. That's it. Amen. Okay. Okay. But you're going to have to put a defense up against your mind because that's how the enemy's going to try to get you out of faith. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all. What are you going to do? I did that, Pastor. Uh, Pastor, really, I'm having a hard time. Well, you need to do this, this, and this. I did that. Oh, okay, now what are you going to do? Stand there. But it's raining in my life. Stand there. The wind's blowing. it. Stand there. I'm facing a storm. Stand there. You remember last week we talked about Matthew 7? Jesus said, he that hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken to him as a wise man who built his house, his life on the rock, and the wind and the rain descended and the flood came. But it did not, right? The big bad wolf was not able to knock the little piggy's house down because it was built on the rock. Amen? But notice, did the house built on the rock experience rain and flood and wind and storm? What did the house do? Did it do anything special? It just stood there, praise God. It just stood there till it stopped raining. Oh, Pastor, these symptoms have been of man I've for two weeks. Just stand there. On the word, by his stripes, I am healed. It is as God says in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have got to learn. Paul said, if you've done everything, then stand. That's what you do. Okay, Paul. Okay, Pastor Chris. How long do I have to stand? Until it stops raining, until the sunshine comes out, until the healing springs forth. Come on, till the bill shows up, till the situation turns. But don't you dare move off the Word. Don't say anything other than what the Word says. And if you're anything like me, you may have to bite your tongue in half at times. Because when you're feeling things mentally and emotionally, it's amazing how much your mouth wants to say what it feels. So true. Let a mousetrap just pop on that thing. I mean... It is, (laughs) right? So I want to give you real quick, I'm looking at the time, a few things that I have learned in my life that are keys that have helped me when I've been facing pressure about how to keep standing there. Okay? None of them are real deep, but they're all powerful. Amen? And that is what I first alluded to. Hebrews 4.14, we'll just give you the reference. And that is you must hold fast to your confession you must hold fast to your confession brother Hagen taught us hold fast means hold hard hold hard you know when 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 Ryan was born they were supposed to do within I think the first 24 hours or so they were supposed to do a specific test on every baby for this nutrient or something to make sure that the baby had enough of it. Otherwise, this particular birth defect or, or thing could develop. And they didn't do that with Ryan. We didn't know it. And then they did some sort of test. And we got the results right after we brought... You correct me if I get this wrong. Okay, they did the test but never sent the result. And in fact, it showed that she needed this thing. And that she didn't get it within the necessary framework of time. And they wanted to do further testing. Well, we just submitted that, but we, we have this little infant here, and we're wanting, as every parent does, we want our babies healthy. Yes. Right? And so we, we joined hands, we got in the Word, we released our faith you know, on the healing prayer. I don't remember what specific scriptures we stood on back then, but we got in faith about our healing. But we had to wait and wait and wait for days for that paperwork to come back, for that new test. And do you know Can you imagine how the devil tried to wreak havoc on us for two weeks? He'll take that empty space of time where there is no news and he will do everything he can to beat you over the head, to get you in fear, to get you over into worry, into anxiety, and he wants you to talk that because if you do, you're not in faith and he can can put it on you then. And so what we did is we just stood and we cast our cares. We we took authority over our thoughts. But I'm just telling you, we held fast to what we said in prayer. It is as we say in the name of Jesus. And of course the test results came and she's perfect baby. Perfect baby. Amen. But see, there's that period of time where we had to stand. I remember a time not long after I moved here where I, uh, I noticed... I think it was on my arm, I noticed a cyst come up on my arm, about the, about the size of a normal-sized marble, real hard. And then uh, I didn't think too much about it. And then over the next several days, I found another one. And then I found another one. And then over a period of about 10 days, I had 10 or 12 of them show up. And if you know anything about my story, you know my, my, both my granddads died of cancer. And that's something the devil's like to try to, you know, when I was a young man, I had this thought, I didn't know what I know today. I didn't know, I didn't really know that there was a devil that would come after you like that. So I just thought it was me. But I had this unwelcome barrage of thoughts as a teenager in my early 20s, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. You're going to go out just like your granddad. I'm going to kill you with cancer. And I'd have this thought come to my mind in, that, in those words. And so I, you know, I finally got a hold of that and realized it, learned spiritually, grew, and, and got on top of that thing of the enemy. But when these things came up, he tried that again. <laughs> Here we go. See, I told you. And so finally, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the doctor because it was a mystery. And sometimes it just helps me to know what I'm dealing with. Put a name on it because Jesus, is a, he's got a name that's above every name. So I want to I know the name because I know whatever name they give me is beneath that. And so I went to the doctor's office, and he, uh, he got me in an MRI machine and, and took pictures. And it's, it's funny how the Lord will help you, you know, little things. And when I, when I got out of there, the doctor said, well, uh, it's going to take me about 48 hours to get the results, but I, I'm just telling you, I don't think it's anything. And when he said, I don't think it's anything, it's like God used those words. I don't know, God used those words to kind of zap it. But he said, I want you back in here in, in that amount of time. Well, it's just like all that fear and anxiety left when those doctors said, No, nah, well, I'm not putting faith in the doctor. Just something mysterious kind of happened there. The fear was kind of deflated when he said that. And it kind of put me over the hump, and I, I just entered into faith in a new way. Not on the doctor's words, but I just—I had gotten past the fear. So much of the time, it's not faith for healing. It's getting past the fear that's keeping healing from coming. You've got to get on top of the fear. Fear's a killer. Amen? And uh, so I came back at the allotted time, and he got me back up on the examining table, and they'd, they'd all disappeared. They just all disappeared. But I'm just telling you, one of the things I've learned is I, ha- I, have to, I have to say what God says about it and nothing else. And there is a fight to keep your tongue On the word. You let your tongue get hooked up with your feelings and your mind and your emotions, and the devil's gonna whip you. Amen. So that's number one. Number two, and you saw that there, is you have to answer wrong thoughts with your mouth. You know, it's just, we've heard this before, but it's just such a key. When wrong thoughts come, don't leave that unanswered. You talk back. A thought that you don't talk back to will grow. Will grow. A wrong thought that you don't answer will continue to grow against you in strength. So you have to answer it with the Word. Amen? And depending on the intensity of the storm you're facing, You may spend all your day long doing that. I'm telling you, all day long. You may spend the bulk of you. You got a function, right? But you may spend all your time answering that thought. You may answer it a thousand times in a 24-hour period. You do it if you have to. Don't you know? A lot of times, people think their faith is losing. They're losing the battle. Because that wrong thought comes so repeatedly and intensely. It's like Pastor Nancy said, if the UPS guy stands up on my porch outside my deadbolted door and is with a box of rattlesnakes that I didn't order and he knocks on the door all day long, is he in? He's not in my house. It doesn't matter how, how boldly or how persistently he knocks on the door and like, i got delivery for you. I got, don't you hear me knocking down here? Open the door. Right? His persistence is no sign that my faith is failing. He's not in the house. Just keep the door shut. You just got to outlast the devil. That's what standing means. I'm going to outlast you. I am going to outlast you. And I'm doing, praise God. I'm just going to outlast Uh him in all that I'm facing. You're going to have to as well. You're going to have to outlast him. Here's another key. So help me. I'm getting more and more understanding on this all the time and that is praise and worship God. Praise and worship God. Amen. See praise and worship. That's get your mind off your get your mind off that. Turn your back on the devil. Be like Hezekiah. Hezekiah turned his back. He turned his face to the wall. He said I, I'm done with you. I'm done with thoughts. I'm done with the devil. I, everything stops. It's me and God and just focus on him and praise him. And worship Him. And praise Him. And worship Him. And the longer you do that, your problems will become smaller and He'll get bigger. Right? You keep praising Him until that impossible mountain looks like a mold hill. You're going to just step over. And it may seem dry with no anointing on it, but you just go praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I worship You, Father. It is as You say. You're such a wonderful healer. Glory to God. I don't, care, I don't care what little Johnny's doing. He looks pretty crazy right now, but hallelujah. I trained him in the way that they should go, and you said, Father, that when they get old, they won't depart from it. I thank you that you're moving in the life of my baby. You're turning my son back to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, to God. Glory to God. Father, I don't know how. Don't, it's not my job, but I thank you. You're my provider. You're such a wonderful provider. I thank you for all the times you sustain me and you're going to do it again. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. And I just so thank you that all my needs are met. And you yeah. stay right there. Just stay right in that mode. Amen. It's what you got to do if you're going to stand. But if you'd rather call all your friends for pity and petting and attention like that, you can have that, but you can't have that and be in faith too. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Oh my God. That that? You can do that. Go for it. But you can't do that and be in faith at the same time. You can't, you can't be, you know, going around telling everybody your problems and your, your tale of woe and be in faith too. Some people, they would, they, they're more pleased by The pity and the, the sorrowful attention they get, right? Then They'd rather have that than the victory. Amen. And then the last one I want to give you before we go eat is kind of the opposite. And so I'm not contradicting myself here, I don't believe. but And that is, we need to draw on the encouragement and strength of others when you're really standing. Now, I can't tell you and God is so good in this regard. If you'll just do your part, you just refuse to be moved. And it's not fun, I'm just telling you. you got to get, you know, this Christian life ought to be fun. There's a lot of fun in it, but where'd you get that? That you're not going to serve God if it's not fun. Where'd you get that at? You got down, that down at the little secret sensitive cotton candy church. They lied to you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Jesus said, I don't care if they're throwing your brother to the lions tomorrow. You stay faithful to me. That's, that's what he said to the Christians in the book of Revelation. He said, you be faithful to me even unto death. You've got to put your head down to the guillotine. Just do it. Heaven's a great place. You'll be there in a minute. There's no excuse. And people today, God bless them. Oh my God, I'm, not, I'm never going back to that church. They actually want me to take trash out every now and then. Are you kidding Hallelujah, that's right. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you what you want to be around me. It's going to challenge you. But I tell you what, I remember it looked so dark and desperate. In believing for this building, we didn't have... No bank would even have a conversation with me. <laughs> you know, it's just... Oh, wow. Well, we didn't have a building anymore. And uh, I mean, we were like Cortez. We burned all our ships. I mean, we... we it was... It was either succeed or shut it down. And I mean, it looked dark. And I came into the office and, and my secretary at the time said, you know, you got a package today from Dr. Jacobs. I put it on your desk. And uh, I went back there and sat down and opened it up. And he had put, he'd bought me. Uh, and I wasn't a spiritual son at that time. You know, we were just in our minister fellowship together. He said, you know, the Lord had put you on my heart and, and bought me two brand new, really expensive ties. I've still got them. And in uh, a note of encouragement. And it was it was on time. You know what I mean? It was just on time. And I have found, I know you have too probably. In any given moment, you may not think that you 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 may not have what you want in any given moment. Have you ever been there? In this moment, I don't have what I want. But I have found with God, you will always, always have what you need. In any given moment, you may not have what you want. I'm sure Daniel didn't want to be in the lion's den. He didn't have what he wanted. But God made sure That Daniel had what he needed. I'm sure it wasn't fun to think about being thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. They didn't want to be there. But God made sure they always had what they needed. Amen? God's good like that. I wish I had more time. I really don't. But we should really respect the danger of discouragement. Discouragement is a dangerous thing. Don't play with discouragement. When you sense discouragement starting to set in on you, you've been standing. Come on, we're all human beings, right? You've been standing, you've been standing, and you've been standing, and you've been standing. Listen, the Bible says we will reap if, there's that big word again, if we don't faint, if we don't give up, if we don't quit, if we don't lose heart. And it's in those moments where I've been there. Have you been there? I've been there where I could go, I could quit right now. This would be a great, great time right now to toss my white towel into the ring. Right here would be a... I don't think anybody would even blame me if I just threw it in right now. And it's in those moments where God will either bring or you should seek out the aid, the help of another brother, a sister, someone strong in faith, someone not going through what you're going through. Not to pet you, not to pity you, but to encourage you, to speak words to you. Moses didn't go up on that mountain by himself. Or was it Aaron and Miriam, those two that were there with him. And when his hands got tired, they were there to hold him up. And the Israelites, they had a victory instead of a defeat on the battlefield that day because he had people around him that would keep his hands up when he wanted to put them down. And I tell you what, that is where our household of faith becomes so precious, so rich. Yeah, you can be a Christian without a church, but you can't be a good one. You can be a Christian, go to heaven, sure enough, without a church, without a pastor, but you can't be a good one because you're living in disobedience to the Word. Amen. You can stand up with me today. And I don't know where you're at. Praise God. Your Bibles, if you would please, this morning to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter six. We're going to look at three quick openings. So we're going to go to Ephesians six, and then we'll go to first Peter chapter five. And then if you're really scholarly, you can find James chapter four. Amen. You don't want to remember all that or flip to those pages, the Scriptures will be up on the screen, but we encourage you here at World Harvest to bring your Bible. Come on, your Bible is your all in all, I tell you what. You know, how do you get to know God if you're wanting to get to know Him better? Well, you get acquainted with God through His Word. Through His Word. You know, He is everything the Word says that He is. Amen. Hallelujah. There are other ways to get to know God, but that's the primary way. He is everything the Word says about Him. And uh, we're not like uh, some of the places that you could go to on Sunday morning, not endeavoring to be critical, but we are a word-centered church. Amen. And uh, praise God, we always will be. Uh, Bow your heads with me and let's ask God to get involved with us today. Father, we come before you and we count it such a high honor to break bread together. God, we're all in different places. We're all in different stages of our spiritual development. We're all dealing with different things in daily life. but Faith affects everything. Faith touches everything, in every level, in every, every way. God, we can't get saved without faith. We can't receive the promises of God apart from faith. We must have a revelation of faith. And so, Father, I pray for each one today that by your Holy Spirit, as I do my best, Father, as you help me to minister again on this, uh, so, this just such a vital subject, the subject of faith, that Heavenly Father, that it will come as a revelation. It will dawn upon every heart today what faith is, how important it is, and how to get in faith and stay in faith no matter hot the battle becomes. Lord, I just so thank you for this congregation. They they have, you know, so many of us have just been knit together. And God, you're adding new and precious people and families to us all the time that I feel the same way about them. And Lord, I just so thank you that God, whatever it is they're dealing with today, that you're going to minister to them, you're going to strengthen them, lift them, feed them, encourage them. That when they leave here today, oh, they'll be glad they came. And we just thank you for all of this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I haven't intended to, but uh, uh, a lot of times we'll, we'll get on a subject and stay there a while. And a couple of Sundays ago, I, I talked about uh, steadfast faith. Uh, we don't want to just be, we don't want to have moments of faith where we're in and out of faith. We dabble with faith, but we want to live by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. So faith is our lifestyle, amen? And uh, so we never get tired of faith. It's the way we're living, and so we ought to be thrilled. Every time a minister gets up and says we're going to talk about faith, we ought to just be thrilled. Amen. Uh, amen, because it's because of faith that we're going to be able to receive all that God has made available to us. Amen. And so we've covered, uh, you know, an hour and a half at least worth of material already on this subject. Uh, And I encourage you, if you want to catch up with us, go back on our podcast or websites, all free. You could go out to the bookstore and get your own copy on MP3 or on a CD and, and catch up with us. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read these passages uh, all in a row and then we'll dive into the material today. You ready? So here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now why? It's going to be critical. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you brought something you could write in, you could put... Resist. It's the same, we're going to see the word resist in the next two passages. It's the same word in the Greek. Amen. To be able to resist or stand against the wiles, which means the schemes or the strategies of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Now go over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Glory to God. 1 Peter 5 verse number 6. Says, humble your, Peter, the apostle, says humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you right on your schedule. No, in due time. Casting all your care, that means all your worries, all your anxieties, all your concerns, over on to Him. You hearing that? Such a vital thing that we practice in these last days. How many of our worries? All our worries. How many of our cares? All of our cares. How many of our anxieties? Right? That ought to mean no anxiety attacks. No fear spells. No hypertension. No walking the floor at night. We're living carefree. Worry free. Anxiety free. Amen? I didn't say it was easy. But amen, we could do it. Hallelujah. Then he, now let's finish that verse casting all your care upon him because he cares. Come on, he cares for you. Why don't you say that? The Father, he cares for me personally. Amen. You need to become convinced of that. God cares about you. You know, you're on his radar, he's thinking about you. The Amplified says He cares about us affectionately and He cares for us watchfully. Watchfully. What's that mean? He's watching over you. Nothing escapes His attention. Amen? He's out to do you good. He loves you. He cares about you and everything that you're going through. And He wants you to take all that would concern you, all that's being worrisome, and just cast it over onto Him. You know what that means? Take your problems... And make them his problem. Whatever problems you got, you need to get them off your shoulder. Get them out of your hand. And get them into his hand. Because when you do that, see, you won't have any more problems. What do you mean problems? What problems? Maybe say, hey, did you get that problem solved? What problem? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a problem. And then you talk to God and say, God, you sure got a problem. <laughs> you have a big problem. What are you going to do about this bill? What are you going to do about this report? Amen? That's how you'll know if you've really been able to successfully cast your care. You won't have it anymore. You know, we're begging and crying and bawling and squalling, wanting to get God to do something for us, but as long as that problem's in your hand, as long as you've got it, as long as you're worried about it, as long as you're turning it over, God doesn't have it. He can't do anything with what He doesn't have. So you've got to give that thing to Him. Amen. Well, how do we know if we're worried about something? Well, Brother Hagan said, "If we're thinking about it, and we're just thinking about it all the time, Amen. Yeah. Then you know you're worried about it. What do I do? Repent. Ask God to forgive you for sinning. Amen. You know, sin is a uh, sin is a worry is a sin. Sure is. You know, if I, I caught someone in the bathroom selling dope to one of our members, another member. You'd all be be in favor of me, I would assume, if I kicked him out. But what if I caught someone passing worry to somebody else and I kicked him out? You'd go, oh, pastor ain't got no love. Pastor's being hard. Right? Well, a a shot of marijuana might hurt you temporarily, but worry will flat kill you. (laughs) Anyway, praise the Lord. So he says, cast these cares over on him. Then what does he say? Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour like a prey. Now what does verse 9 tell us to do about this? Resist him. Everyone say resist. resist. Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. Steadfastly in the faith, meaning not just here a little, there a little. I did good Tuesday, but I backslid for three days. Right. No, steadfast in the faith. Amen. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who has called us into His eternal glory by Jesus or by Christ Jesus, after that. Now we don't like this, right? After you've suffered a while. Now what's he mean suffering a while? How are we suffering? We're suffering under the weight of the pressure. We're suffering facing adverse contradictory circumstances. We're suffering with the mental and emotional bombardment of the devil. That is trying to assault our minds to get us out of faith. More on that in a minute. But he says, after you've suffered a little while, being steadfast in the faith, God will make you perfect. That word means mature or grown up. He will establish, strengthen, and settle you. Amen? Go back to James chapter 4. James is just one book to the left. James chapter 4, verse 6. James says, But he, God, gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud but gives grace or favor, divine ability, to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Then what? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Greek literally means he will flee from you as one in terror. Amen. I mean, he will run for the hills, draw nigh unto God, And he will draw near unto you. So in talking about steadfast faith, we see that faith is not enough to win by itself. The Bible talks about in several places that we must add to our faith. Right. Right? Peter talks about that add to your faith virtue or moral excellence. And then it goes on and talks about the things that we should add to our faith. And one of them is the Greek word for endurance. Endurance. You know, faith by itself will give up and quit. I'm just talking about pure faith by itself. Pure faith by itself is not enough to stand for very long. You have to add something to your faith. Go to Hebrews, which is another book to the left from James. Hebrews chapter number 6. So if you're a visitor, you kind of see how we roll. We'll, we're not going to look at half a text. And, amen. We don't, it's not my opinion that counts for anything. It's what does the word say. Amen. And uh, so Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 11. The author says, and we desire that everyone, how many of us? Every, Every one of us, we do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, that's lazy, other translations will say sluggish, but followers or imitators of them, now notice this, who through faith, stop, period, end, next verse, no, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Does faith by itself inherit the promise? No, it's faith and, faith and, faith and patience. So see, to be steadfast in faith and, and to just help those uh, first timers and people who hadn't been here. We talked about, you know, getting in faith. You, you release your faith, you, you say your prayer, you make your declaration, you say amen. And now you're, now you're on faith, you're in a faith project. But the vast majority of the time, your answer is not going to spring into the natural realm that moment. That second or even that day, sometimes that week, Amber and I are coming on a year anniversary standing for something. Amen? And that's nothing. Noah stood on a word for a hundred years. A hundred years, y'all. Y'all, that's good Oklahoma talk. Hallelujah. God gave Abraham a promise that he was going to have a son. Amen? And that son was not born for 25 more years. He told, Jacob told his descendants, Amen, as they entered into Egypt to escape a famine and to get under Joseph who was the, you know, under Pharaoh at that time, that they would come out. They would come out of Egypt. You want to know how long? 400 years later. Amen. And of course, I know we live in microwave society. Instant pudding. Brother Hagin used to say, God ain't got no instant pudding. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a time span uh, span between amen and there it is. And during this time span, there is a battle. It's called the fight of faith. Well, what do you mean fight of faith? I got in faith at the beginning. Yes, you did. But now the fight comes because we have an adversary. We have an adversary, the devil, and he is not going to leave your faith unopposed. He doesn't want you a walking billboard of God's goodness and faithfulness. He doesn't want you upcoming and having a great marriage and kids who love Jesus and walking in divine protection and living in healing for your body and walking in signs, wonders, and miracles. He doesn't want any of that. And so He is going to fight you. Amen. And so what believers must do, we must practice and you're going to get all kinds, whether you want it or not, you're going to have all kinds of opportunity to practice being the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Holy Ghost gave me this statement. I think it's just so wonderful in session one three weeks ago. And that is faith that stays the same always wins. Faith that stays the same always wins. If you'll get in faith and just stay the same, you will always win. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I wish that that was just easy, staying the same. But it's not. Amen? Listen to, uh, if you want to, back over in 1 Peter, I'm going to kind of hang out in 1 Peter 5 for maybe the rest of the time we have. And we're doing good on time, right? So I don't have to feel like I have to go real fast. I mean, it's only 11.27. Everybody okay? You good? You had breakfast out there? Okay. Just hang with me a little bit. Settle in your comfortable chair. All right. So, the Wiest, Dr. Weiss was a Greek scholar, and he gave this translation of this passage I read earlier Be of a sober mind, be watchful. Your adversary, who is a slanderer, namely the devil, as a, lying, a lion roaring in fierce hunger, is constantly walking about, always seeking someone to be devouring. Now notice Dr. Weiss' instruction. Stand immovable against His onset. Or attack. How? Stand immovable against His onset. Solid as a rock in your faith. See, that's how you win. That's how you get to your healing. That's how you get to your financial breakthrough. That's how you get your kids turned around. Amen? Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being accomplished in your brotherhood. What's he mean by that? Listen, it's easy. I don't know about you, but it's easy, easy, easy to feel like I am the only one on the planet dealing with this. What is the this? I'll describe it. But you already know the this. The activity and the opposition of the devil against your faith against what you say you believe. And it's just so easy to feel so alone that I am the only one enduring this constant, unending, mental, emotional bombardment and the enemy working against my circumstances. But listen, Peter is saying by the Holy Ghost, listen, every child of God experiences this. Around the world, every child of God, right, experiences this. We need to just learn how to put our big girl, big boy, in Christ, faith pants on, and win the battle. Because what are you going to do other than this? Be overrun, be defeated, and be robbed of what your faith would bring you. And you'll live in defeat like so many Christians do. But I don't believe I got a group in here today that's okay with that. Dr. Weiss said, stand immovable against his onset. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, Rick Renner is a Greek scholar. He's a wonderful man of God uh, that uh, has founded a ministry, a worldwide ministry, mainly to the Russian nation. So basically, he's a missionary and really an apostle to the, and that's where his ministry is over there in the former Soviet Union. But he's a Greek scholar. Someone I really respect. And this is his, he took all of the meanings of this passage in Greek and made his own translation of it. And here's how it reads You must constantly be alert and on your guard. The devil, like an accusing lawyer, will try to charge you with all kinds of arguments and accusations. You need to know that he is like a lion on the prowl. Constantly walking around, roaring with a deafening sound, earnestly seeking the kind of person he can completely consume and slurp up. He's, in, in his commentary on this, he says it's like a lion who will slurp up his prey's blood off the ground. He is looking to completely and utterly destroy. And notice, when, when you're his target... It's deafening. Now, I've never heard one, but they say that a lion, when he is hungry, the roar is just intimidating and deafening. And this will help you. If you've ever tried to encourage someone who's under an assault and they don't seem to be very responsive, listen, you just need to understand, your little word of encouragement is they're hearing this monster roar Right now, you need to keep doing what you can to encourage them, but you just got to understand, amen, that they're, they're, they're being bombarded with a lot greater sound. Amen. I've been there. Hallelujah. Like, like, brother, I appreciate you saying that. Keep saying it. Maybe it'll have an effect on me next week, but not right now. I'm not, I'm not really getting it. Right? Uh, amen. And so, this is what, see, faith would be easy. If there wasn't a devil. Right? But there's a devil. Now, I found out something last night studying I had never seen before. Never seen before. And that is that this word devil, our adversary, the devil, 1 Peter 5, it comes from a compound Greek word. You don't need to know the Greek words, but the meaning of it is uh, enlightening. Let me find it here. He says that when, this is Rick Renner again, that word devil, it literally describes how the enemy comes at you. Let me read it to you. He says this Greek word for devil literally means someone who repeatedly throws something, striking again and again and again until the object being targeted uh, has been struck so much that they have been Uh, Finally, completely penetrated all the way through from one side to the other. Now, that's what the word devil means. So the word devil is describing his tactic. Remember Paul said in Ephesians that you may withstand the schemes of the devil. So you can understand, when you get in faith, let's say for your healing... He is gonna to begin to he's gonna to begin to throw stuff at you, and it's a thought, right? You, who do you think you are? Look at what you did last week. God ain't gonna heal you. Look at how messed you've been a smoker all your life. You think God's gonna heal those lungs? You destroyed your lungs, right? He's gonna throw. He, he, he not You've done too much. He's he's not gonna. He's not coming through for you. Healing's passed away. Didn't you know that? And I mean, He's just going to... Look at your body. Your body's not... And I mean, He is just going to throw that rock at your mind again and again and again and again with the goal of that thing penetrating all the way through. Now, does this mental assault sound familiar to anybody? In any arena? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the Christian life. Amen? And listen, again... The little seeker-sensitive cream-puff church out there, they're not going to teach you how to deal with this. They don't even know how to deal with this. Right, right, right. Amen. And people are just... The goal of the what the devil's goal is to just... Elizabeth, just to flat wear you down. Wear you out until you just finally go, Fine! You're right! Yeah! I did all that. I don't deserve healing. Maybe did healing pass away? Uh, I sure don't deserve it. And now the enemy moves right into your mind and he's going to begin to control you and you're certainly off your faith now. Amen? Now, what can we do? What are we to do about this? Peter, James, Paul, they each have teachings on this and they all say the same thing. Resist him. Resist Him. It might help you to know that there's a Him out there to resist. When your mind is under assault, that's just not you. Amen. You have to begin to recognize this is the devil. This is my adversary. This is the one that's trying to move me off my stand of faith. Peter, James, John, they all had the same Greek word. And the Greek word is resisting. Resisting resisting fight back come on fight back fight back don't let that go unanswered don't let that go unopposed you have to respect the danger don't let that assault assault and just sit there and take that you just sit there and take that because he's going to wear you down and I don't care how strong you are at the beginning if you don't combat that and know how to combat that he is going to penetrate you he's going to defeat you amen and then you're going to be in real trouble Hallelujah. Praise God. We ought to be getting some help already. Amen. So without going back to all those scriptures, he said resist. Resist. Now, that word resist. Let's talk about that word resist a minute. It's the Paul, James, Peter, same Greek word. And of course, you're not a Greek scholar. I'm not either. But they tell us that that word is a military term. It's a military term. And we've seen these movies, right? Where, uh, you know, we have American forces and maybe they're up against an enemy line, and they are given orders by higher-ups. You hold this ground. You take this ground. And if you, if you, if you lose all your men, if, you, if it takes a whole platoon, if it takes a division, you hold this line. You hold this ground. You don't give in. You don't move from here. That's what this word is meant to communicate. It's not some passive thing. I just sure wish, Pastor, would you pray for me? The devil's been after me all the week. You know, sometimes during meet and greet, it's the same people, precious. It probably won't happen anymore after I say something. And every week, every week, it's, well, the devil's been after me. Well, the devil, the devil, the devil. When are you going to do something about the devil? You're going to have the same old rigmarole story until you learn to do something about the devil. I really wish somebody had gone and said, you know, the devil's been... But I've been resisting all week, Pastor. And I'm still holding my ground. Just want to let you know. Right. Amen. Come on. Amen. I didn't say that to hurt you. I just... Hallelujah. So the Greek word means to oppose. To resist means to oppose. Another, you remember... Do I have to get Rex back up here? You remember when I put my Bible down on the ground, I literally stood on it, I took my stand on the Word, and then I had my Rex, the little, ju- you know, the Jiu champ here, try to move me off the Word? Well, see, if I just stand there passive wishing he would go away, he's going he's to push me right over. It's not about movement, it's about staying. But I have to, I have to oppose that. There, he's going whatever, every action... Invokes an equal and opposite reaction. In other words, this is what Paul, this is what James, this is what Peter's saying. The devil's going to come along, Debbie, and he's going to push you. You better push back. You better not let that go unanswered. That little bully comes along on the playground, Malachi, and gives you a shove in the hallway. There better be a counter. Well, Dad, you better trump me on that, however you want that to go. But I'll direct, there better be some pushback. You know, you're walking down the hall and the bully goes, oh, and you go, oh, yeah, sorry, I was in the way. Oh, the devil's going to look for you next class. Right, Right, Malachi, there better be some pushback. If the devil's going to push me, I'm going to push back. If the devil's going to fight me, I'm going to fight back. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to just sit there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So many Christians, though, they don't recognize what's going on. They, they, they don't really appreciate the fight that they're in. They don't even recognize. Peter had to tell them, you have an adversary. His name is the devil. And notice the, the word adversary means a slanderer or an accusing lawyer. In other words, like a prosecutor who's got the goods on you, he's going to take everything you've done in the past, every sin, every failure, everything you've ever done, and he's going to hurl it at you like a stone against your brain. Yeah, you're good for nothing. You're not for anything. You didn't pray. You don't study your Bible. You've been terrible at going to church. You're not a good steward of your body. Nobody loves you. You're the big, And he's just going to hurl that at your mind. Amen. What does pushback look like? The Word of God in your mouth. The Word of God in your mouth. Right? There must be a... If He accuses you of a sin, yeah, I did that. You better talk back the fact that I confessed that sin and my God is faithful and just to forgive that sin and I have been restored unto righteousness. I have right standing with the Father. I'm sitting in Christ in heavenly places far above you. Get the hints. Right? You better know scriptures about the blood. You better know about His forgiveness. You better have some stuff about the... Right? Amen. He's going to challenge you about the reality of your healing. You better have healing scriptures to hit Him over the head with. It's called the sword of the Spirit. Oh, you want to talk. You want to have a conversation. Yeah, and I'm going to run Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3 down your throat. He has forgiven all of my iniquities and he has healed all of my diseases. He has redeemed my life from being destroyed, but he has not redeemed your life from being destroyed. How about that? There's going to you got to be some pushback. Some talk back. Amen. So that word oppose means oppose, resist, stand against. So a, another Greek scholar I read after says that this word Resist means someone who is determined, they will do everything within their power to resist, to stand against, and to defy the operation that is coming against them. It means to establish a position and to take a complete stand against, resolve, I will not be moved, I am going to hold my ground, I refuse to be pushed back. Now in the military, they have a hill, they have a line, they have a hedge, They have a tree line, right? Some some hedgerow that they're occupying. Amen? The line, the foxhole, the position we take as soldiers in the army of God is a Scripture. I'm not being moved off this Scripture. It is as God says. It is as God says. For seven long years, for seven long years, God gave me two passages of Scripture and a word from the Lord about build this building relocate your ministry. I thought, no problem, about a year and a half will be there. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, did I not know. Why don't you go with me over to Psalm 66. Praise God. Did I not, did I realize the kind of fight that I had just started with the devil? And I didn't even mean to pick this fight. The devil, or God gave me this assignment. You know, God will lead you into some of the biggest fights you'll ever fight in your life. But you know, God's big enough to finish every fight he starts. You know, it's like uh, Dr. Dufresne used to say, anybody comes against me, their elevator don't go all the way to the top. Because God's for me. (laughs) Right? Well, we know the devil's elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. He's just flat crazy. Amen. One of those passages of Scripture that God gave me that day in my office about commissioning uh, me and my wife to build this building and develop this campus is this passage of Scripture. Psalm 66, verse 10. Look at what it says. For you, O God, have proved us. That means tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid... This is who? God. You laid affliction upon our loins. You have caused men to ride over our heads. That doesn't sound very fun. We went through fire and through water. One translation says we went through hell and back but you brought us out into a wealthy place. Now, I read that in my office in 2004 and this is how I interpreted it. I've already been tested. I've already been tried. I've already come through the net. I've already come through fire and flood. And now it's time to come out into a wealthy place. Now, he said, what he meant to say is, you're about to go Through hell and back. You're going to go through some fire and some flood. You're going to feel like a chariot just ran over your head and then backed up over it and did it again. And then eventually, I'll bring you out into a wealthy place. And some of you, many of you took that journey with us. And listen, I mean seven years a long time. 365 days times seven. That's over 2,000 days of facing... Mental bombardment on a level I don't think you probably wouldn't understand. Impossible situations. And he didn't ask us to stand and believe for a day, for a week, or for a month, or for a year, or for two years, or for three years, or for four years, or for five years, or six years, or seven years to the month. Seven years to the month. Now you can tell me all that funny stuff, all you want to say. Yeah, well, that's God. That's, and it probably was. Seven's a perfect number. Seven's a year of completion. <laughs> 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 On you, <man>. you know, <laughs> praise God, it wasn't fun. Right. And that may be. Yeah, we may. But I'm saying, we had to add endurance. Yeah. We had to add steadfastness. We had to live. Every time a thought would come, we had to answer that yeah. thought. Yeah. Right? With the Word, with what God said. And in your life... This is what you have to do. Amen? You have to be one of these people that just refuses to quit. I refuse to quit. I refuse to change. I refuse to believe anything but what the Word says. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to just totally ignore all of this bombardment against my mind, it is as God says. It is as, God, as I say Amen. of what God says. And this is the life of faith. This is the life of faith. And you must just embrace this. So many are defeated because they're pacifists. Mm-hmm. Instead of a warrior. Instead of a fighter. The Bible says since the days of John the Baptist... Right, That the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. You want the kingdom? You want the healing that comes from the kingdom? You want victory that comes from the kingdom? You want financial prosperity that comes from God and comes from the kingdom? You better take it. Now God has freely given it, but there's an adversary who wants to keep you from having it. How about having I'll tell you, I don't want to get too down this road with you but I don't know if it would surprise you that I have had to really fight depression in my life. I don't know if that would surprise you or not, but I have for decades. Now, I'm not depressed, but depression's right there. It's not like depression's far removed from me. If I wanted to be depressed, I don't have to go far. I just have to go over here, and I could be really depressed. And it's constantly... That, that thing's constantly, Malachi, knocking on the door. Go ahead. Today'd be a good It's cloudy. It's raining. It's raining not only outside, but it's raining in your life. Why don't you just go ahead and draw the covers down? Right? Close the blinds. Feel sorry for yourself for a while. Nobody calls you. Nobody encourages you. Nobody really cares about you except what they can get out of you. You don't think I deal with that kind of thing? Constantly. Constantly. That thing's never going to turn. Constantly. Just right there. You know, that's where the devil lived during Jesus' earthly ministry. Right there. And He'd come against him. You can read about it in the temptation in the wilderness times. And then when those temptations were over, when Jesus fought back and resisted and overcame, right, and had victory. The Bible says that the devil just stood off. Just stood off a little bit and waited for another opportunity when he could strike him again. Hurl another stone at him. Assault him with another train of thought. And he lived like that. He lived like that. Dr. Dufresne, he really helped me in Chicago in 2013, sitting there. He started talking about this assault on his self-esteem, his thought on his, this assault constantly his whole life long. Finally, God gave him a vision. God gave him a vision and he went back in time and was in the back seat of an old car that his Daddy owned. And his daddy was maybe 17 and his 16, 17. And his mom was in the front seat, the passenger seat. And she's only 15. And she's pregnant with him. Now they're California people and they're driving on their way to Tijuana to abort him. And he's seeing this happen. God's showing him a portion of his past. And then he saw in that vision an angel slap the dad in the driver's seat up against the head touched him, slapped him up against the head, and he turned to his young uh, future wife and said, uh, sweetheart, I can't do this. I was raised Catholic. We're going to get married. And so instead, of they, going to, they went to Tijuana, but instead of having an abortion, they got married and had him. But when they went home and divulged the news to her dad, he was so shamed by it, he went out in the back, took his studebaker or whatever into a field, put a hose in the... Exhaust pipe rolled up the window, pulled it into the car and killed himself. But before he did, he wrote his daughter a note saying, you did this, I killed myself because of you. You shamed me, you dishonored me. And then that devil that, right, that moved upon him to kill himself was now drove his mother, Dr. Dufresne's mother, crazy. She's in and out of insane asylums. That familiar spirit dogged her tracks all her life. She didn't know how to resist she didn't know how to fight back. She didn't have any biblical education about what was going on. And so she, she got saved at the, on her deathbed. Amen. And went to heaven. But then, this is what God showed him in that vision. That familiar spirit was just now, just now, and now he's following him around. And here's why I told you that in that vision, God told, Dr. Dufresne asked God, he said, can I bind that? And he never leave me, he never, I never have to deal with him again. I just take authority over him. He goes, No, you can't. Not as long as you're in that life. You have authority against Him. And you bind and He'll step off. But He's going to dog your tracks all your life. You're just going to have to live in resistance against Him. It's not that you can't have victory. But if I could pray that the devil would leave you alone. Listen brother, I'd pray that prayer for myself. (laughs) I would pray that prayer for myself. So anybody that wants that, that prayer line, I just have to give you, you know, the red pill. I just have to give you, you know, a, a shot to the head and get you to heaven. Because as long as you're down here, and this is what God showed him. We've got scripture to back this up. You know, whenever we're born, God assigns to each of us an angel, a guardian angel. And they're with us all our life. But you know what? The devil, he's an imitator of God. And he assigns to every human being a familiar spirit that's gonna follow you around, take notes on you. And he knows, mm, just push his button right here and he's gonna get drunk for sure. Just put a little pressure on him right here and he's gonna shoot up. Just put a little pressure on him right here and they're gonna to go to the nightclub and watch naked ladies. That's what they're gonna you just put a little and they take notes and they just take notes on you, and they know all about you. Some of you look wide eyed. Well, listen, we need to pull the curtain back on the devil's strategies so you can figure this stuff out. Man, I'm sitting there in Chicago listening to that and I go, I finally, I, I finally get it. I could see my grandpa's life, I could see my daddy's life, and I could see what the devil was trying to do and that I was just going to have to buck up and resist him. You're going to have to let the Holy Ghost help you apply these principles to your own situation. Amen. Amen. Look at that, it's still only 1153. We may beat the Baptist to the buffet, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise, God. Praise God. You know, in James chapter 4, remember what he said? James said, Humble yourself, right? A lot of what I'm going through, if I've gone through in my life, I didn't want to go through it, Paul. I'd, I'd just rather not. And the people I see serving God, they don't seem to be, that they're not serving God. They don't seem to deal with this on the level I deal with. It. But they're no threat to the devil. They're no threat to the devil. He's already got them off track and off course. I tell you, the more intense these attacks become, let that just tell you something. I must be doing something right for God. I And mean, I must be, what's, what's the devil got so nervous about? Amen. See, I know in my life God's revealed much to me, not, not all that I'd like to be. He's revealed much to me about the ministry He has for me in the future. <laughs> and the devil doesn't like it. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to quit. Right. Right. right, Dad? I'm just not going to quit. See, if I quit, He wins. Yeah. But if I just stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I can't, I can't close without you knowing this. Listen, it can seem like you're just... You ever seen these military shows? And they're staying there, but it looks like the numbers and the force that's coming against them. I'm being overrun here. This is it. You better write your note to your wife because, you know, we're all about to be casualties here. Listen, think, here's what you need to know the devil does not have the inherent power and ability to overrun you and defeat you. He cannot. He cannot. I don't have time to teach you this yet, but his only thing is to chase you. And bluff you. Every, all of it is smoke and mirrors. All of it is deception. He has got to try to get you to move. But if you stay there, he can't make you move. He can't come and pick you up and throw you off the word. He, can't, he doesn't have that kind of power. He does not have that kind of power. He'd shoot everything out of his gun until he's empty. He does not, brother, us have the ability to move you off First Peter 2.24 if you decide to stay there. The whole thing is He's got to get you to respond in fear. He's got to get you to, he's got to, get you to raise up the white flag of surrender.
0: Right, right.
1: He's got to get you to throw in the towel and quit. He's got to get you to change your confession. He's got to get you to change your action to move off the Word. But if you don't, if you stay there, your healing shall manifest. for sure. right. Your victory. Your victory is assured. Those bills will be paid. Amen. You'll have joy and not depression. Yeah, right. Amen. You'll have peace instead of torment. Yeah. Amen. But you could just sit there I've, I've seen many of you you know, I, I know what it's like, sit there by yourself, with your little dark room and night and cry because of what you're dealing with. But you, and cry if you need to. But you better get back to resisting as fast as you can. Amen? L- closing statement here. James says, humble yourselves before God. You know, there's a lot of things like that building. I couldn't, I couldn't make this building go. I couldn't. Not big enough. Only God. So I just have to say, God, if it's this year, great. But if it's not... Okay, and just stand there, and just stay there, and just stay there, just stay there. Right? Amen. And just some things, you know, God's not bringing this stuff. That's all the devil coming again, right? But God has let us; He's allowed us to face this pressure, right? Because He says, "If you'll count it all joy," Mm -hmm. that you know. To have, you said you have to add endurance. How do you get endurance? Faith comes by hearing. That's easy. But how does patience come? How does endurance develop? How's a marathon runner, Brother Tony, going to develop endurance? He's going to get out on the street, right? And he's going to run till his body goes, stop, (laughs) stop. And when that happens, how's he going to build endurance? He's going to make himself keep running a little bit further. And then... A day or two later, he's going to get back out on the concrete and he's going to run until he hits that point again. Until his body goes, please, please stop running. And then he's going to run some more. That's the only way to build endurance Mm -hmm. is to be in an uncut, right? The only way to build strength is to put a little bit more weight on the bench press than what your body thinks it can do. You have to let this process happen. You have to humble yourself before God. You may not at any given moment have what you want. But I have found out with God, you will always have what you need. You will always have what you need in that moment. He's faithful. So He says, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and what? He will. He will flee as if in terror. Stay around. Resist him long enough to see him tuck tail and run. That's a sweet moment. And then you make him eat that. <laughs> Where are you going? Hey, by the way, here's my doctor's report, dude. Where are Why don't you stick around? Let me read this to you. Uh, here's the raise I just got, you lying devil. Already tithed on it, fool. I mean, he won't stick around. But you ought to say, hey, where are you going? Make him eat that. Now, you can't can't do that with people. (laughs) That wouldn't be (laughs) Christ-like. Right? I didn't say people. But I said, you make the devil eat the victory. Right? Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where'd you get anything? Hey, if you didn't get nothing, i preached myself happy. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, don't stand up. We have uh, a seed to sow, don't we? Yes, sir. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and receive that special projects offering. Praise God. Now, listen. Don't get weary. Don't get tired. Don't stop. We don't want to have this complete and yet it sit vacant because we don't have seats and chairs. and And this is also an investment in our coming daycare. Yeah. Amen. And so we're we're putting all the kind of furniture. You say, why don't we just move? Well, we will use some of that. But um, you ready? Come on, are you ready? All right, go to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Father, we're so grateful to have this opportunity to break bread together, to fellowship around the Word of God. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. The Word of God is a living thing, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder, to draw a line of distinction between bone and marrow. Glory to God, joint and ligament. Father God, even between soul and spirit. Oh, Father God, it's life, it's bread, it's food for our spirit. It's the source of faith. And Lord, we're so grateful to have found the Word of God, and to have again this opportunity to be taught, to be instructed. Father, a pastor is a feeder according to Jesus. And so we thank you for that supernatural ability. I don't have it, Father, except that which you provide me. But I thank you for that office of the pastor that God, that you would cause my ministry today to be effective and accepted among the saints, that you would cause me to come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ to these, your people, cause my pen to be used by you as the tongue of a, ready, a pen of a ready writer, that I would speak a word in due season again to these, the apple of your eye, the sheep of your pasture, your children, the redeemed. Father, give them ears to hear. Give them a mind that perceives and a heart that takes hold. That, God, that we could leave this place today knowing we'll never be the same again. Never be the same again. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, it's truly an honor to be called your pastor. It's just such an honor for me. And uh, I just want to thank you for that privilege. I know it's God's assignment and uh, you don't have a vote here. You don't get to vote me out. It's not that kind of church. But, you know, you could vote with your feet. And, and people have, and that's fine. I've had a lot of votes against me. Man, if I, had, if I didn't have all those people vote against me, we'd have th- three times the people. But I'm glad you voted for me by coming today. Amen. And like I just prayed, I'm believing the Lord to use me this morning to be a blessing and a help to you. And, uh, but I just thank you again for putting up with me. Uh, amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. We've been talking for a number of weeks. I think this is uh, the fourth uh, teaching in this series It's become a series, kind of by accident, but we're calling it Steadfast Faith. You know, a faith that is not steadfast is a faith that will fail. It'll be a faith that uh, is overcome. Uh, I wish that uh, the moment we said Amen when we prayed, that the manifestation would just show up right then, like you know, rubbing the genie's lamp, you know, and pop out, you know, out comes the answer. You know, the Bible says in the spirit realm. The answer comes that fast. You remember when Daniel began to pray back in the Old Testament about his nation? It took three weeks. It took 21 days for the angel Gabriel to break through. But when he did, he reminded Daniel and said, listen, you didn't know it from your side being natural, but I was dispatched the very day you prayed. And God dispatches. He doesn't delay. He dispatches our answer the moment that we pray. Amen. The Bible says concerning His promises... That all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. There's no committee vote in heaven. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't even check to see if you've been naughty or nice. He's better than Santa Claus, I'm telling. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you pray and you release your faith, the answer is dispatched from heaven right then. But there were uh, dark forces, spiritual forces, that came against Gabriel and prevented Gabriel, again in the realm of the spirit, from you know, being as quick as he was. But Michael came, the warring angel, and strengthened right? and contended with that dark power, that demonic spirit, enabling Gabriel to get through. So Daniel had to stay steadfast. On his side, he, didn't have, he wasn't privy to what was going on op- opposing his prayer in the realm of the Spirit. On his side, he just had to believe. He just had to trust that God was good and God was faithful and God was able. And because he did that, he got that answer. He got that answer that he was seeking for himself and for his nation. Amen? And when you pray, you've got to learn to stay steadfast. You've got to learn to hang in there. Because there's going to be an an unknown, an X factor. There's going to be some time between your amen and there it is. But so many of us, because of pressure and opposition of the enemy, we throw in the towel in that period. We never get to the manifestation, not because the answer wasn't coming, not because God said no, but because we were moved off our faith. We, sur- we put up the white flag of surrender. We yielded to doubt. We yielded to fear. We cooperated unknowingly or unwittingly with the enemy. He moved us off our stand of faith, and therefore we're robbed of that good thing that God promises us. Amen? God requires faith. Faith is what we give Him in exchange for the thing that we want, need, or desire from Him. Amen? And faith isn't a one-time moment where you pray and say amen, and then it doesn't matter what you say or, right? It doesn't matter how you act. No, faith is a lifestyle. The Bible says that we walk by faith. We live by faith. Amen? We get in faith and we stay in faith like a bulldog. We grab hold of that thing. We're not going to let go until the answer shows up. Amen? Amen? That's why Paul had to, you know, it's interesting, Paul didn't say this to a new believer. He didn't say this to a baby Christian. Of course it would apply. But he said it to a spirit-filled, anointed pastor in Timothy when he said, Timothy, fight, fight the good fight of faith. Amen? So the strongest among us need to be reminded sometimes, amen, that we need to fight the good fight of faith. Now, there'll be a day where there won't be a fight to your faith. But there is. As long as there's a devil out there running loose, there's going to be an opposition come to your faith when you release it. We're not to be scared of that, intimidated by that. Amen? But opposition's real. You shouldn't need a Ph.D. in theology to have that. You probably got that figured out already. Amen? So what we're endeavoring to do is to bolster your faith and to show you some things from the Word of God that will enable you, if you'll listen and put these things into practice, enable you not to have moments of faith, but steadfast, constant, immovable faith, a faith that receives the victory. Amen. And that's what we need, right? That's what your family needs, that's what the people around you need to see. Amen. Because you'll become a witness. You'll become a witness and a testimony to people around you. People ought to come eventually that know you, that aren't walking with God, and say, You know, I don't get you. You never get sick, and your kids never get sick. What's wrong? I don't, our kid, we go through these seasons, but you never get sick. Or they have all this stuff, man, you're never worried, you're never troubled, you're never anxious. What's up with you? We say, Well, the Word is up with me, Jesus is up with me. I'll tell you all about it if you got time. (laughs) Hallelujah. Man, I don't get you. Your bills are always paid. You never seem to have any problems. And of course, you say, Well, brother, the thing is, you just don't, faith people don't tell, they just don't tell everybody about all their problems. We're not saying we don't have tests or trials. I hope you don't look at my life and think, Oh, he doesn't have, man, he just, you know, God threw him in a pool of chocolate. I mean, it's just all sweet and cream and strawberries for him. Sometimes I feel like God left me out there hanging on a thread and forgot about me. But you know He didn't. Amen. Faith people don't go around telling everybody about their problems. Right? Because they're standing on the Word. But that doesn't mean that they're not dealing with stuff. Look here in Colossians chapter 1 verse number 23. In the King James, Paul says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled... And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made of minister. Now, what does Pastor you is the biggest word in the Bible? It is the largest, most consequential, the most impactful, the most uh, determining word in the Bible is that little word, if. You see, there should never be an if in these kind of scriptures if it's all up to God. People believe it's all up to God. Well, if God wants me to have that job, I'll have it. If God wants me to have good marriage, He'll give it to me. If God wants me to be healed, He'll heal me. People believe like that, die. Because it's not all up to God. So much of the time says, if you. From the Old Testament all the way through the New, God says, if you. Right? Come on. John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you you shall have right whatever you desire of me five times in that verse you is mentioned one time in that verse God is mentioned so see if 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 I will not point at you if I come on if I abide in Christ have a living maintain a live I'm not talking about so I said a prayer and accepted Jesus when I was 4 years old but I've been living like a living for the devil wearing the devil's t-shirt for 45 years that's not what I'm talking Jesus said if you abide in me you maintain a living constant union and connection with me and my words have found their home in your heart right Meaning you've built the Word of God into you to where it's become a part of your very being. Then you shall ask whatever you will, and it will be given unto you. Hallelujah. Way back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28. If you listen. That's what He said. If you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do, according to all that is written today. Amen? To obey His voice. <laughs> then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And you get to shouting, but see, it's not on God, it's on you. It's on me. And don't receive that. Your attitude towards the Scriptures are paramount, so important. Amen? When I hear verses like that, my response is, thank God. Meaning, God has put it within my hand. I like it when things are in my hand, where I can affect the outcome. And God has put His promises in my hand. God has put the covenant in my hand. God has put healing in my hand. God has put long life in my hand. God has put divine protection as a daddy for my kids in my hand. Come on. God is the constant. He is the never changing, always faithful, does His part, never fails. If you do your part, the outcome is certain. So the the variable is you and me. Hallelujah. Well, is there an if here? There's an if. The if is if you what? Continue in the faith. And then he describes this so wonderfully. If you continue settled. Come on. You know, someone who's really in faith about their healing, they have got it settled. They're not troubled on the inside. They're not entertaining a lot of questions. They have settled it. And really it doesn't matter what the doctor comes along and says. It doesn't matter what their body chimes up and says. It doesn't matter how long symptoms seem to persist. They have settled it. The same thing is true. Come on. Uh, In every every area. Right? So when it comes to the money you ask God for, in every minute of every day, the deadline is getting closer. Well, see, you're not troubled if you're in faith. It doesn't matter if if it's the day before. And you can't see any earthly avenue by which that money could still come by the deadline. Faith has already settled it. I've already got it settled. This need is met, not by me, but by him, by Christ. The need is met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And this person will never be disappointed. The Bible says, he that believeth hath, and he that believeth shall never be put to shame. You never, people say, don't get your, oh, I wouldn't get my hopes up. No, you get to get them way, you need to push them up higher. Get them way up higher. You got to watch your fellowship around all these Christian wet blankets that want to throw a wet blanket on your fire. I love the body of Christ and I love Christians, but I'm not going to fellowship around wet blanket Christians who are full of doubt, full of unbelief, full of religious tradition, and trying to tell me if God wants me to have it, I will. But if not, you know, just there's no changing it. If that's true, God lied. And y'all know what I'm going to do if God lied. What am I going to do, Austin? I'm going to go back to drinking beer. That's right. Hallelujah. I'm not going back. God never failed me. So he said, you've got to have it grounded. You've got to be settled. Now notice the next phrase, and be not moved away. Be not moved away. Now that implies there's something implied there if you think about it. There's going to come a force. There's going to come a force against you and me that's going to try, PJ, to move you away from the hope that you have. And This is what we have to learn to overcome if we're going to see the answer to our prayer. The Amplified Translation I just, just really like. Of this verse, it says, and this he will do, referring to God, capital He, right? And this he will do, provided. Right? See, every promise of God, everyone is conditional. Right? Oh, but he loves me. That's not that's that's not a promise, that's just a fact. He loves you. We're talking about promises. You know, he's promised to save you, but that's conditional on you confessing and forsaking your sin and receiving Him as Lord. You don't do that. You're going to go to hell, sure enough. So the salvation is, yeah, oh, it's free. Yeah, it's free, but you better take it. You better put your name down on the list. Right? You can't live any old way you want, divide churches, tear up your marriage, and walk in divine health. Oh, you can't do that. Can't be a sipping Christian, sipping saint, live like the world, watch rated R movies. Come on in, and then just go pray a prayer in Jesus' name, expect God to move mountains for you, you unclean thing, you need to get clean. You get yourself separated from the world. That's right. Jesus said when you he said, hey, and when you pray, you better forgive. Forgive who? If you have aught against any, he said. Right? In other words, implying you don't forgive your husband, you don't forgive your wife, you don't forgive your boss, you don't forgive that one who was racial, you don't forgive that one who, you know, uh, whatever. Man, I had a little stupid kid with five of his, four of his friends in a Jeep just tried to almost kill me yesterday on the highway. Man, I had to forgive him. Stupid kid. And then I said, lest you know, I was a stupid kid. Did stupid stuff like that. So have mercy on him, Father. Yeah. He was going to get the worst of that thing because I got my angels with me. I'm a big, big old expedition. But he had four of his friends in there with him. Anyway. Hallelujah. So you got to be quick to forgive. And this he will do provided that you continue to stay with and in faith. Well grounded. Settled and steadfast. Not shifting or moving away from the hope that is rested upon the good news or the Word of God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. So we've already said to you, but we want to say it again as you turn to First uh, Peter, 1 Peter 5, that faith that doesn't change always wins. The faith that does not change, or you could say it this way, the faith that stays the same always wins. The faith that stays the same always has the money come. Always has the bills paid. Always has the disease driven out. Always receives healing from the pain. Always. Right? If that's not true, the Word is not right. Hallelujah. But the Word is right. The Word is right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Alright, right, First Peter... 1 Peter chapter 5, we were here last week if you were here, and we were looking at this. It's so wonderful, so good. Glory to God. I know I have a fifth chapter in here somewhere. There it is. All right, praise God. Look at verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting how much? All. All. That means you don't get to hold on to any of your worries. You ought to give even the little ones up to Him. Don't worry about anything, Philippians 4, 6 says. Don't be anxious for even one thing, the Amplified says. Come on. But He says, casting all your care. That word means worry, concerns, anxieties upon Him. Now why? Isn't this good? Because He cares. He cares for you and He cares for me. But then notice the admonition right on the other side of this. Wonderful verse, verse 7. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your adversary, that's personal. You have an adversary, his name's the devil. The next two words tell you that. As a roaring lion, he walks about seeking whom he may devour. And isn't this good? That, That tells me he can't devour everybody. Or he just take his pick. But he's seeking those whom he can devour. Well, who can he devour? The one who's not yet learned to stay steady and unmovable and unchanging against his onset, against his attack. Amen. The only way he's going to know on his side if you're one he can devour or not is to attack you and find out what you do. And how you respond, how I respond to his attack, is going to let him know whether or not you can be a prey or if you're going to eat his lunch and make him pay. See, I'm a poet, didn't know it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, see, it's up to us to be what, what kind of person do we want to be. I want to be the kind of person that's got such a reputation with the devil that the devil comes by and says, you know what, not today. I don't need to deal with that today. He is just too intense for me. There's easier pickings out here. You know, when a lion or any real uh, animal of prey, they don't expend all the energy they have. They're going to look and see the, the weak one. The slow one, yeah, sure. the one that's not paying attention. You know that antelope that's all going, oh, it's a pretty tree. Yeah. <laughs> He's not paying attention. And so many Christians go through life like, oh, and the devil's mad. Not doing anything about the devil in their life. <laughs> they got whole churches built on that. No, he said, be sober. Not scared, not intimidated, paying the Cody translation of that phrase might say, pay attention. Pay attention. Because you have an adversary looking for somebody weak. You ought to not put off an odor of weakness in your spiritual life. And you stink of weakness if you had read your Bible this week. And that was kind of bold, but anyway, hallelujah. Come on, we stink. Of weakness and vulnerability, if we hadn't prayed in tongues, you know, and spending not just praying in tongues, but having fellowship with God and you know, uh, having communion with the Lord, we 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 put off a fragrance of "Come get me, I'm your lunch today." If we haven't been confessing the Word over our life this week, well, Pastor Man, I just get tired of saying stuff. Your mouth is moving all the time. <laughs> Mine is too. Make it say the right thing. Make your words do their work. The fight of faith, church, is a fight over words. Write that down. Don't ever forget that. The fight of faith. What is it about? It's about words. It's about words. 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 Words Words created everything. Words are the dominant, governing, dictating force in the spirit realm. See, if people don't like the life they have today, how did that come about? Well, you know, I know there's a lot of factors, a lot of forces, but if you've been living very long, everything in your life today is a product of the words you said yesterday. That's Mark 11, 23. It's Proverbs 18, 21. Right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. A lot of times we read that and we think death and life's in the power of God. I mean, if death and life's in the power of anybody, death is going to be in the power of God. You know, that's not what it says. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Yeah. Amen. So you see, you got to make your tongue work for you not against you. Praise God. See, I'm so thankful in the little instance like that where Goofy people try to do dangerous stuff right in front of me that could affect me. My son and I are just going down the road trying to go home man, our own business. But see, I've been saying every day of my life for the last several many years, I'm kept, my family and I were kept by the power of God in every arena. of our. So those words have been going out ahead of me in every direction for years now. So when I find myself in dangerous situations, I've already got those words out there. Right? People go out and talk about Murphy's Law and how they're, they're the, they're the dic- dictionary image of Murphy's Law. You know what they say about Murphy's Law. If anything bad could happen, it will, sure enough. That's not the word. can't find Murphy's Law in the word. Hallelujah. I'm feeling kind of honored today. Hallelujah. Oh, we're, But it's all about help. It's all about help, right? Praise God. Amen. All right, man, there it is. Praise the Lord. Be sober, be vigilant, pay attention. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast. Steadfast. You know what that's going to tell you? You're not going to feel like it. You're going to have to do it longer than you wanted to. To be steadfast. You're going to have to make a conscious decision to stay with it, to stay at it, to keep believing, to not doubt, to not yield to fear in the face of, you know, contradictory evidence and circumstances. Then he goes on and says something, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world, but the God of all favor and grace, who has called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus after, now I wish it was before, but it says after, you have suffered a while. Now what is this suffering? Well, the suffering here is the suffering of the attack of the enemy, the constant, unwanted, uninvited bombardment upon the mind. Now, remember, I taught you last week. I just thought it was so insightful. The word devil. He says your adversary, the devil. The word I didn't know this till last week, but the word devil. What it means is one who throws or casts objects with the intention of penetrating the object, or the target, not a little bit, but all the way through till it goes out the other side. That's what the word devil means. You guys ever been out hiking or ever been out doing a sightseeing and you see the effect of water on rock or mountains? Water, wow, that's powerful, isn't it? And uh, I was just reminded listening to my my friend Doctor Hattaball was teaching a message recently, and we were out on one of our hiking trips, backpacking trips, and we had come around a bend, and he saw a, a a just a single slow steady drip of water, not a stream, but just a slow drip of water coming off a rock, and the Lord arrested him on the hike, and said, "Stand here, man. I want to show you something." And so he did, and he said, "Look at the rock." And the rock was well on its way to being completely hollowed out. We're talking about a boulder, something hard, something that's resistant, right? And yet this single light drop of water, drip, 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 steady, constant. The repetition of that single drop of water was hollowing out that rock. And he said, he said to Dennis, this is what the devil wants to do to the mind of every Christian. With a steady, constant line of mental attack, he wants to hollow you out until you give up and quit. That's what the word devil actually means. So when God used this Greek word for devil, He's endeavoring not to tell us, you know, we have this big bad image of devil. He's wanting to instruct us about how the devil comes against us. Again, so many Christians are totally oblivious still to this process of the enemy. Like a sniper with a very honed attack and you're the target and bam. And, and, and you may get this in one area, but he may, he may line up demons in a, in a circling firing squad, and on one side he's going to attack your self-esteem, and then he's going to tell you how unattractive you are, and then he's going to magnify all your mistakes, and he's just going to hit you, right? And he's not going to just hit a drop and go away, but he's just going to, uh, 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 right? What does Peter tell us is the answer to this? Fight back. Resist. Resist him. Now go over to Ephesians chapter 6. Y'all okay? The devil is defeated by Jesus, robbed of his power and ability to overcome us and hurt us, but he's loose and he is called an adversary, an opponent, one that we must contend with and deal with. And simple teaching and instruction and knowledge of how to do it will revolutionize your life and totally set you free and keep you on a ground where your faith wins and the devil loses in every area, every single time. Come on, that's the goal. That's the goal. Hallelujah. So this is not Peter, of course. This is Paul. And in verse number 10, notice what he says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against or resist the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle. Now I want to stop there. That word wrestle, if you study it, it does mean a contest. You know like Malachi and the writers here, wrestling family, they know all about this. Man, there's an engagement. Right? One against another. An opponent on the mat, on the field of battle, whatever. But there's another dominant meaning in this Greek word, and it means to sway. The wrestling we have with the enemy is his attempts to sway us. He wants to sway you. See, when you said, by his stripes I am healed, you made a declaration of faith for yourself on God's Word. That's what you have declared. He's got to now try to... The only way He can keep you from being healed is to sway you into a... The word sway means to, with pervasive arguments, get one to change their position. How's the devil going to do this? He doesn't show up in my bedroom and have a conversation with me. Actually, he does. But you don't recognize it. It comes in the form of a thought to your mind. It just comes in, and sometimes it can be so subtle, you think it's you. You think it's you. For years, I walked around. I walked around with this thought, I'm going to kill you with cancer. Now, that's weird. That came in the third person. If it was my thought, I would think something like, man, I'm really concerned I'm going to die of cancer. First person. But the thought came, I'm going to kill you. I am going to kill you, sure enough. Just the way your grandpa dad's went out, I'm going to kill you with cancer. You're going out of here. And I'd have that thought. 18, 19, 20, 21. I'd walk around with that thought. I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even know why I was having it. But it was troubling. But as I got in my Bible, I, find out, I found out. Right? See, and this is, this is interesting how this revelation came to me. Finally, I don't know where I was walking along, and I finally just stopped just midstream in my walk, and said, how come all the talking? I said that out loud. Why don't you just put up or shut up? And I realized something. Without having all the knowledge of the Word I have today, He needed my help. Otherwise, why all the talk? If He could kill me with cancer, what's He waiting on? What's He waiting on? What's, what's with all the talk? What's with all the... If you've got it, you got it in your gun, you got the ability, just do it. Go ahead, hit me with And He could. I found out He, he couldn't. Amen. Because I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I don't belong to Him. I'm not a child of the devil. I'm a child of God. I'm born of the Spirit. I'm alive unto God. I have a covenant with God. It includes health and long life and provision and safety. I didn't even know that all then. But I learned something just by deducing that He has to have my help to have His way with me. And I just realized, I ain't giving it to you. I'm still here. Hallelujah. He learns that line of attack doesn't work with me anymore, so he just comes up with different stuff. But see, he's not creative. He's got one line of attack. He just got one line of attack. If you can learn his one line of attack, you've got him whipped in every arena of your life. And it's going to be a thought coming against your mind. A thought coming against your mind. And yeah, he's going to work and do whatever he can in the circumstances, like, ooh, look at this pretty shiny object. Like destruction and death and you're going down and oh, it's not working. Ooh, like this doctor's report. See that? Ooh, you're going to die sure enough. Remember that I told you? Bright shiny object. What he doesn't want you looking at is the promise of God, the word of God, the covenant of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the, of God, the faithfulness of God. Oh my God, don't look at that. Yeah. That's right. You got to be all occupied with symptoms and circumstances and emotions and feelings. None of that is faith. None of that is faith. What you feel in your emotions has nothing to do with faith. If you're going by that, if you, if you think and determine your feelings matter, you're whipped. You're whipped. I have feelings just like everybody else, but that's not my faith in operation. How many of you have ever been made to feel fear? And really not even have any circumstances... That would warrant that, but all of a sudden a foreboding sense of heavyweight fear come on you. That's not you. That's a spirit of fear. He's going to show up and make you feel that and see what you do. If you talk in agreement with that, oh, he's got you now. See, you're authorizing him to work in your life because you're speaking in agreement with him. Preaching good already. What did I say? Remember this word? This word wrestle means to sway. To sway. Oh, God couldn't love you? You pretty thing thinking Jesus forgave you. He didn't forgive you. Look what you did. He might have forgiven a lot of people, but He's not going to forgive that. You think you're going to do that for God? You think you're going to launch out and be a missionary? (laughs) What are you thinking? he tell you about all the missionaries that went out overseas and failed, fall flat on their face, got sick, died, starved their families out. He's trying to sway you. All right? I think we'll end uh, today over in uh, Romans 4. And I want to give you an answer to combat this. Right? It's all about resisting. We're learning about, okay, this line of attack is this assault on my mind. Well, let me remind you as you're finding Romans 4, what is faith? Well, if you look it up, faith means several things. Faith means trust. Trust. If you have, uh, you, you know, if you've had faith in me, you trust me. You trust me. Do you trust me? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Faith means belief. This is an interesting word describing faith. It means fidelity. Now when I think of fidelity, right, I'm thinking about loyalty. I expect my wife to practice fidelity with me in my marriage. That means she's loyal to me. And not have a guy on the side. I'm loyal to her. I'm, I practice fidelity in my marriage, right? So faith in God is what? You're loyal to Him. You're loyal to Him. His word carries weight with you. More weight than some stupid thought the devil wants to try to get you to think. His word carries more weight with you than what you're thinking, what you're looking at, what you're feeling, what the devil's saying. Yeah. He deserves that kind of faith. He's earned it. He's worthy of it. The word faith means assurance. What's that? You can say it just very simply. What is faith? I'm sure. You say, are you healed? Yeah, oh yeah, sure I am. Are you sure? Right? Well, the honest answer to that question will tell you whether or not you're in faith or not. Right. Are you sure? How many of you came over from Illinois today? How many of you used the I-24 bridge? How many of you had a foreboding thought about coming across? No, you were Sure. You were sure, right? You were assured. Did y'all inspect the bridge? Did you interview? Do you know anything about the guy that built it? Was he union or (laughs) non-union? Did you check the news? Maybe it was hit by a barge last night. You just hurled yourself out over the Ohio River, didn't you? About 100 feet up in the air. Based on what? Your confidence that the bridge will do its job. Right? God's Word is your bridge between your amen and there it is. Come on. I like this word. Faith means reliance. I'm relying on. You relied on that bridge to hold you up. You relied on it. We have natural human faith, right? I rely on Brett. I rely on him in certain areas. I rely on my staff. I rely on my wife right? That means I'm leaning. Meaning, if I'm relying on some, if they don't do their job, I fall down. Because I'm all in leaning on what they're supposed to be bringing. We make commitments financially in this church because we're relying on your continued faithfulness with your tithe. Right? So, But lastly, and we'll kind of end with this thought, is the thing that kind of lit my fire is this word persuasion. Faith means to be persuaded. So the, the battle of your faith comes down to this. And I'm giving you my title in my closing. Are you persuaded or swayed? You think about what you came in today with your greatest need, your greatest desire, a thing that you're wanting and believing God to do for you. Four or five things. Think about them. Right now today, sitting there, are you persuaded That it is done and it is so? Or are you swayed? Or are you teetering between the two? Amen. This is what it comes down to. Whether or not you're going to live or die, be healed or not. Whether or not that money's going to come or not come. Right? Whether or not your kids are going to be divinely protected like is promised in the Word. All the different promises. Are you persuaded? Or are you swayed? Well, here's how. We're going to close today with how do I get persuaded and stay that way. Right? Amen. Anyway, it's not going to take but a minute or two. I know my wife doesn't believe that, but she needs to have faith in me. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Looking at verse 16, Romans four sixteen. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace... To the end that the promise, this is a promise concerning the blessing, might be sure to all the seed. Now that's you and me, we're the seed. Not to only those which is of the law, talking about Jewish people, but to those also which are of the faith of Abraham. Again, that's you and me. Who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee, notice God said this, I have made thee, Abraham, a father of many nations. Ha, ha, ha. Sure, man, I can't tell it. I have no kids. My wife is barren. I am barren. Viagra won't come along for another, I don't know how many thousands of years. I have no fertility doctor. We don't have artificial, we don't have any of that. I am a hundred years old, and you say, I'm not only a father, but the father of a. An- <laughs> What a whopper. When did God say this to him? In his barren condition. In his childless condition. Notice the phrasing. I have made you the father of many nations. You wouldn't be changing the grammar at all to say, you are the father of a multitude. (laughs) And that's that's what God told him. And so, before him whom he believed, Abraham believed God, even God, who quickens the dead. I've been meditating on this all week. This phrase God makes dead things live again. That's really been blessing me. Right? You got a dead organ on the inside of you? God makes dead, he quickens the dead. He makes dead things live again. You got cancerous cells on the inside of your body? Those are dead cells. God makes the dead alive again. How about a dead marriage? God makes dead marriages alive again. How about dead finances? <laughs> Hallelujah. He quickeneth, He makes alive, He quickens the dead. Oh my goodness, this is what God does. This is what our God does. This is what Abraham did by believing in God. And how does the phrase end? The ultimate catchphrase? The point he's wanting us to get? God who quickens the dead, who calls those things which be not as though they were. That's what faith does. That's what faith does. That's what God did with Abraham. You're not the father of many nations. But I say, you are. And because I say, you are, you are. Because I'm God. And his job was to say, that's right. I agree. Do your thing. Amen. Amen. And there was standing and 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 standing. And standing and standing and standing, but God said, "Say, Father, I'm a year older. I got another wrinkle. I saw it. This thing's looking worse, not better. Looks like my face working in reverse." But God said, "Abraham, you're the father of a multitude. That's what your name means. I'm the father of a multitude. Come here, Sarah. We got to be doers of the word and." We've got to keep believing that we're going to have a baby. Amen. This word calleth, it means summon. If you get a court summons, what's that mean? Baby, you better show up. A call has gone out. You better show up. So this word is summon. You might want to write that in your Bible. Faith calleth. Faith summons from heaven things that be not in the natural. And because I summon them, they have to show up. This is what faith does. Faith looks into the realm of the Spirit. How can you do that by faith? Just by faith. See, your healing already exists in its invisible form. And you summon it By calling yourself healed while you're not. You call yourself funded when it looks like you're not. You call yourself blessed when it looks like you're cursed. You call yourself strong when all you feel is weakness. You call yourself full of joy when you want to give up in despair. And you're summoning all that God has promised and made available in that realm of the Spirit. And it will show up if you'll be persuaded and not swayed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, verse 18 says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, or what God said he was. According to uh, that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. Now, notice this. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body. I wrote in my Bible, circumstance. I really don't have an issue in my body right now. But the circumstance. This is how you're not swayed to the enemy in closing. You don't consider it. You don't consider it. The devil wants to talk. Don't don't let him know you're listening. Let the devil talk. Let the devil threat. Let the devil speak. You can't stop him. You can't stop it. You can bind, you can plead the blood, you can do all that, but you cannot make him be quiet. You cannot make him be quiet. He's got a right to be out here until the devil comes and locks him up. And as long as he's running around, he's got a mouth. And he's going to use it to try to sway you and persuade you. What Abraham did when the devil whispered in his ear, Old man, old man, old man, old man. Ain't got a kid, ain't got one stocking on the mantle. Old man, old man. Who do you think you are going to have a baby Oh man, oh man, your days passed by. God has forsaken you. That was 20 years ago. You, that wasn't even God. That was bad pizza and Pepsi. You thought you were having a spiritual experience. You don't think the devil chimed in his... But what did Abraham do? He did not consider it. In other words, he ignored it. Right? He considered not the, the deadness of his body. He considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider it. If you consider it, what's that do? If you think about what the devil says to you, your faith is weakening. It says he was not weakened in faith by considering not. Every minute that you spend giving legitimacy to what the devil tried to introduce to your mind, you are weakening your faith. And you're becoming more and more and more of a juicy prey. And I've, I've caught myself, ooh, Chris, stop it. Stop it. Mind, stop it. Just turn your back on that. Satan, you're going to have to talk by yourself. I'm not listening. Consider not. Amen? So he was not weakened in faith by not considering the circumstance he was dealing with. Amen? And then in verse 20, he staggered not, he didn't trip over the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strong in faith how? By giving glory to God. And, I wish I had another session with you, but I don't until next week. He was fully persuaded. He was not partially persuaded. He was not 50% convinced. What does it say about him? Fully. He's fully convinced. He cannot be swayed. Why? Because he's already fully Persuaded. He's already, you already lost him. You're too late to the party, devil. You can talk all you want, but I have already settled it. I am the father of a multitude. I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to get into doubt. I'm not going to get into unbelief. Why? Because I have met God. I have heard from God. I have tasted of His power. I have tasted of His love and faithfulness. It may not look like it, but I am fully convinced and fully persuaded and fully assured that He is able to perform that which He promised me. Woo! And God calls that faith. Because he's got nothing in the natural to base it on. But he's got God's Word. He has got God's Word. And you and I, we have God's Word, saints. Come on, I don't know what it is specifically you're believing God for, but you need. if you're not going to be swayed, the way you're not going to be swayed is to spend time getting more persuaded. Come on, spend more time in the Word. Come on, get more acquainted. Experience His power, His anointing, His love, His goodness, His faithfulness. Fill your eyes, your ears with testimonies of victory. Come on, associate yourself not with wet blanket Christians, but people who are following God and hungry for God and moving for God and using their faith and getting results and let them speak to you and preach to you and bop you on the head and give you an impartation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't have to be swayed by the stupid thoughts of the devil that are surely going to come, but you just be fully convinced, I'm fully assured, I am totally persuaded that God is able to perform what He promised. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. He'll sustain me. That's His job as my Father. Glory to God. But I am totally convinced you've lost me. I am persuaded. I am. I have been already uh, convinced in my heart that this God I know, this God I love, this God I serve, He is able to heal my body, fix my marriage, protect my kids, pay my bills, give me peace, fill me with joy, lead me, guide me, talk to me, empower me, strengthen me, get me to the end, fulfill my calling, open the right doors, get me where I need to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. And a Christian like that is, he's looking forward to come to church, Pray he's not coming to church. Like, Hallelujah. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Come on, stand up on your feet. You should have been up on your feet already. Come on, let's give Him praise. Let's give Him glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, you're so good, so good, so good. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, to doubt God, to doubt God is to tell yourself and everyone around Him, you don't know Him very well. You just don't know Him well enough. But the more you get to know Him. You know, sometimes you have a good impression of somebody, but the more you get to know Him, Man, the more you want to hold your hand on your wallet when you're around them, you know what I mean? But the more you get to know Jesus. Come on, the more you get to know our Father. He's a good, good Father. The more you get to know the Holy Ghost. Man, how could you doubt Him? How could you doubt Him? How could you doubt Him? Him? So much of what faith, you know, that you need to get to know Him. Faith is a walk with Him. Faith is a walk with Him. You got to get to know Him. It's not just a a a button and a lever. You and out comes your healing. No, it's it's a walk with Him. You got to know Him. You got to love Him. You got to let Him love you. Amen. Get some help today. Hallelujah! I got. I preached myself happy today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. And if you're not persuaded, be honest with yourself. I'm not persuaded. You can get that way by deeply meditating in the Word of God. Get those promises out. Come on. Get those healing Scriptures out. Get those provisions. Get all those Scriptures out. And just meditate on them. Pray over them. Confess them. Imagine yourself in them. Right? And the power in those Scriptures will get on the inside of you and convince you of their reality. And you can't be defeated and you can't be stopped when that happens. Amen. You've been very gracious. Gave me 11 extra minutes. But uh, (laughs) hallelujah. Listen, we love you today. Your faith is the greatest thing. One of the greatest things God gave you. It's what you're going to use to overcome everything in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith. Right? Not your pastor's faith. Your faith. Say that to yourself. My 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 faith. My faith. My faith. My faith. Gives me victory over everything that's in the world that's coming against me. Amen. All right.